Hi, I'm Kyle. And I'm Trevor. And uh, welcome to Catching Up on Cage. Cage, Cage. <laughs> so, uh, if you're not in the know, uh, February of 2019 here at Catching Up on Cinema has been our Catching Up on Cage month. Uh, this has been a theme month wherein uh, Kyle and I have been exploring the filmography of Nicolas Cage. Uh, the format so far has been uh, Kyle and I selected two movies that both of us had seen or at least were familiar with and then each of us selected one film of his filmography uh, that we were excited to try giving a look. Uh, so last week Kyle had us watch uh, Season of the Witch from 2011 uh, directed by Dominic Sena. Uh and this week uh, at and this will be the final episode of Catching Up on Cage regrettably um, I had Kyle and I both sit down to watch 2011's Drive Angry <laughs> directed by Patrick Lessier, or Lessier, Lessier, I'm not sure. Um, if you're not aware, and I seriously doubt you are, <laughs> um, this gentleman, if you peruse his Wikipedia or his IMDb, uh, is primarily an editor, a film editor mostly in, uh, in the horror genre. Uh, his first uh, directing credit, as far as I know, is Dracula 2000, oh. which... I believe both you and I have seen, and yeah. both, uh, yeah, that that sound you made is kind of everybody's everybody's reaction to that film. <laughs> um, Barely a movie, but yeah, this this film, uh, I remember the marketing for it. Uh, Kyle mentioned on the last episode that 2011 was kind of a uh, a blank spot in his memory as far as uh, film marketing was concerned because he was uh, serving our proud nation <laughs> on on the high seas. <laughs> But I remember seeing commercials for this film and just cocking my eyebrow at it and thinking to myself, I have no fucking clue what this is, but I kind of like that title. And when I looked up a, a plot summary, like, man attempts to, like, outrace or out outdrive the devil, I was like, sure, <laughs> Nick Cage and that? Fuck, let's, let's go. Uh, however, unfortunately, I did not end up watching it at the time. Uh, fortunately, we started our Catching Up on Cage month, and I used this as an excuse to get both Kyle and I to watch this. Uh, so, Kyle, uh, how, how did you feel after you finished Drive Angry? Well, I'm going to say this. I I definitely won the Catching Up on Cage this month <laughs> as far as ones neither one of us have seen, um, <laughs> in my opinion. In your uh, opinion. In my opinion. Um, yeah, this was just... This was not great. Uh, I was not a big fan. It was so, it was so corny. Like just the dialogue was bad. Amber Heard as a diner waitress. I'm not buying that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's no fucking way uh, she would be uh, a waitress in the middle of nowhere. Um, yeah, it's. I've got some problems with it. Uh, yeah. it it's a little. Uh, a little silly. Some missed opportunities. Uh, Billy Burke. Billy Burke is here. <laughs> <laughs> hey, folks. You remember Billy Burke? <laughs> yeah, right, Bella's right? dad. Right? I just know him as Bella's dad. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. See, to me, I always think of him as a, as the cokehead brother from Mafia with an uh, exclamation point. I haven't um, seen that. Mafia was like one. I don't know if it was an actual Zucker Brothers film, but it was done in that Naked Gun style. In fact, Leslie Nielsen's in it. Oh, it was one of the the lesser parody films that came out in the the well 
actually the 90s was the dark times as far as those films were concerned but like next to like airplane it would be several rungs below <laughs> i stand he, yeah he played he played like one of the brothers in that and that's forevermore what i know him for because they had a really funny gag where he has a gigantic dick that's just out of frame mm-hmm. and he keeps turning around and then things get knocked over in the shot <laughs> and there's a whoosh noise <laughs> see i uh i'll stand by those first two scary movie movies because those uh because those were they were like parodying uh, the haunting and Scream. I think they parodied Hollow Man. Like these were all like horror movies that came out that time. At that time when I was a kid, I'm like th- those were pretty funny. I actually I've seen Scary Movie more than I've seen Scream. <laughs> oh, wow, that's saying that's saying a lot because mm. Scream was very very popular. Um, it, I know well, I watched it a lot, even though I don't think of it as a great movie, but it's, it's very watchable. You know why I don't like it? I know why you don't like it. The lighting. <laughs> yeah, it has. Yeah, in in case you're not aware, uh, Scream really does have some of the flattest, most boring lighting you'll ever see. It's like this is a studio. <laughs> like, <laughs> Did you know this is a studio? <laughs> Did you know that this film was shot on a soundstage? <laughs> I, th- I think there's a part where uh, Rose McGowan's in the garage and she's like, "Who's that?" I'm like, "Who are you talking to? You can see everything yeah, that's you can happening see in that every garage." Corner of this room. <laughs> every <laughs> there are no it's... shadows present. Gosh. I still don't know how she died in that film, by the way. She was the garage door. No, but how did she die? Like, it lifted her up, and then it just... The garage door. Just, I, she got trapped just, in the doggy door. I get it. it but, like, what the... what physical trauma caused her to die? Do it, I get what they're trying to do, where it's like she got squished when it when it rolled up. Like, like she got caught between the fixture of the, of the garage and the door, but... But the effect of it just didn't look all that convincing. I was like, "Oh, she she looks like she'd be all right." <laughs> did you did you see um, Fear, the Mark Wahlberg movie with? Reese I Brothers? have not, but I, I I know it has a reputation. I know there's some dog trauma in there that triggers people or something. Yeah, it, the movie's doing something, and then all of a sudden at the uh, near the end, like the the climax. Uh, they bring in some dog stuff, and you're like, "Dude, that not that's too late to be introducing that." Like, this is America, damn it! <laughs> Jeez, yeah. A dog's purpose thing. is not to be butchered by Marky Mark. I remember being scared of him in that movie, but that movie probably doesn't hold up. I'm sure it doesn't. Yeah. I wonder if the crush holds up. I haven't seen that, but just the idea of baby faced Alicia Silverstone or whatever mm-hmm. coming after you. It's like. I can't be afraid of you. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, no. <laughs> um, so anyway, drive angry. Uh, may as well give a bit of a plot summary uh, yeah. up front. Uh, so uh, this film has a few swerves in it, so the the plot summary is not going to be terribly accurate. <laughs> it's good, essentially, like <laughs> yes, yeah, swerves, swerves, <laughs> swerves. Um, swerves. Nick Cage plays a gentleman by the name of Milton. <laughs> fucking name is milton put a pin in that i'll explain that <laughs> okay okay so milton has escaped from hell uh using a muscle car of some sort i'm sorry i'm not terribly in the know when it comes to vehicles and why they're important and why they're sexy sorry <laughs> there's, there's going to be a lot of uh missed opportunities here um when it comes to uh speechifying about the like reverence of vehicles and stuff i'm sorry i just don't have it i call Um, it classic car dick sucks i have it written down several times in my notes 
I, I just don't have it. Sorry. Mm. But anyway, uh, Nick Cage escapes from hell. Uh, he is on a mission, and there is a baby, which he says, I believe, is his daughter's daughter, so that would be his granddaughter, uh, that he's trying to reclaim from some cult leader. And on his journey, uh, some gentleman by the name of the accountant, a.k.a. the best character in the film, and one reason why I actually enjoyed this film, <laughs> uh, this accountant figure is a supernatural being from, from the underworld that's tailing him in some fashion. And we don't quite know why. Yep. And then, obviously, this this plot converges towards the end. We get a, a swerve towards the end. But, uh, yeah, it's basically Nick Cage is on a mission trying to find a cult leader and get back a baby. Do you think that Nick Cage is, like, against Scientology? Because uh, <laughs> this is the second movie I've seen where he's... You know, getting he's chasing after uh, a cult leader, Mandy, being the most mm-hmm. recent. Uh, maybe he he was just like not he was one of the people that Scientology thought they could get. Like we could definitely get that Nick Cage, and he's just like, this is absolute nonsense. I will <laughs> not. I will not do the e meter. I will not. Well, I, I picture it being. Um, I picture the exchange having no actual words. It would just be him doing his uh, bad lieutenant laugh right after he smokes the crack pipe. Just the yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like in their face, because <laughs> mm. I mean, when I think of Nick Cage, I think of a a pretty strongly defined personality and character. Yeah, and when you think of cults, you think of people who are open to suggestion. And he's you know, not. He, <laughs> him, it's like uh, I got my own cult. It's called the Nick Cage cult. I'm a cult of one. You know. <laughs> Sorry, he, sorry. He did, he did his Esquire interview about his favorite uh, characters he's played with a skull ring on his index finger. That's a man who is confident and and, is a, and he is sure of what he likes. Yeah, he, he's very secure in who he is and what he likes. And yeah, he's a, yeah. I, I worship at the at the altar of a Cameron Poe. <laughs> <laughs> I worship Nicolas Cage and no one else. Next question. <laughs> John Cusack's pretty cool too. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I visit his place on Sundays. You know. <laughs> oh, I didn't even realize that he was in Con Air and Frozen Ground with him. Yeah, ah. uh, actually, when we get into this movie, uh, there are some funny, funny casting crossovers here. Where I, I noticed that in a lot of Nick Cage movies, actually, that a lot of people he's been in movies with show up more than once. And I love that kind of stuff when it comes to movies. Is it gives that air of like camaraderie and familiarity where it's like oh hey these guys have worked together they probably know how to anticipate each other and like know each other's rhythms and stuff and it probably helps their performances mm. it's like when a director has like a Scorsese and De Niro or Scorsese and DiCaprio or something it's like there's a reason they keep fixating on that one personality is because they it's probably much more comfortable like, you know what to expect from that person and what their what their uh buttons are that you can press to get them to go certain places with their performances you know nothing against leo but do you think that having leonardo dicaprio in his movies scorsese's movies do you think that elevated his movies because i think those movies would have been just as good without him however i don't feel like i think didn't didn't uh didn't scorsese do the cape fear remake did he is he the one that directed? i don't think so he didn't do that i don't think so i could be wrong but i okay. don't think that was him fact let me just look that up yeah let's go ahead and check that real quick yeah let's consult the internet 
do 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 no it was him it was him okay i thought so um i would say i don't think that movie would have been as good without de niro but like you could have done the departed without leo and it still would have been a fantastic you absolutely could have that movie in particular um wolf of wall street probably not Uh, yeah he was pretty good in that i i I give him a lot of credit for that performance because he he wore a lot of hats yeah had i mean technically that movie as far as i know was submitted to the academy awards as a comedy it's a great movie it's very it it is (laughs) and it's three hours long and how many times have you watched it Mm. more than i care to care to count yeah (laughs) it's three hours of pop so it it must be good (laughs) it's it's great uh all of it just the whole thing uh even when you think "Eh, it's slowing down a little bit no it's still gonna keep going it's it's great Uh, so do you want to do you want to jump into this movie? We uh, I purposely didn't want us to talk about this beforehand. Uh, I just wanted to jump right into this one. I have a feeling we're going to disagree on this one. This I doesn't have a ha- this doesn't happen too often, but uh, I think my view on it is probably more positive than yours. Most likely, <laughs> most likely. <laughs> so our story begins with a shot of hell, uh, as represented by like a. Uh, it's bathed video game. in orange light. Yeah, it looks like Spawn. It, it looks, looks like, like hell game. from. It looks like hell from the movie Spawn, which was from, like what ninety seven, ninety eight. Yeah, somewhere around there. Uh, yeah, the CGI in this film is not great. It looks like it's from two thousand four. This is two thousand eleven, by the way. Yes, I thought the whole movie felt like two thousand four, like on the nose. It does feel out of its time a bit, but yeah, uh, our first shots are of hell as represented by like a rotting metropolis bathed in orange light, and uh, our opening narration is div- is uh, delivered by William Fickner, uh, who I happen to really like. I uh, he he brings something to almost any role you put him in, even even the fucking Dark Knight. He's in it for twenty seconds, and pe- people I know he who has. People I know who who know nothing about movies, who don't pay attention to the finer details or anything, they remember him because he, he has one of the best line deliveries in that fucking movie. He has one of the best non-Joker lines, and I think they—I mean, my favorite Joker line—you already know—it's silent, actually. Yeah, it's a—it's a finger point. It's and a then there's uh, William Fickner. You and your friends are dead. Very yeah, memorable. It's and brilliant. Then, <laughs> then third is, um. Aaron Eckhart yelling, Rachel! 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 <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. He has a horrible yell. I'm also partial to Enough with the Clown, but uh, I'm biased because I really yeah. like Michael Jai Michael White. Michael Jai White, but, yeah. Yeah, Mike, uh, William Fickner, uh, if you don't remember, uh, was in The Dark Knight as, I guess, the bank manager in the opener. Mm-hmm. Um, he was also in Armageddon as one of the astronaut guys he's like the guy that goes nuts towards the end and pulls out a pistol because he's trying to set off the nuke uh he pops up oh he's in black hawk down he's a really cool guy in that too everybody was in black hawk down every Every, single every british person (laughs) every british person was in black hawk down he was uh he was john c Riley's adversary in um a perfect storm i guess john c Riley's wife he was good in that. I really, no, like. I, I really happen to like William Fickner, and he pops up in all sorts of places, and he's very talented at being a chameleon. Uh, he's even in Heat, which I know you don't like, but nope. he, he has an impact in there. But he delivers his opening narration about badass motherfuckers trying to leave hell, 
<laughs> and his delivery, just like in The Dark Knight, is kind of pitch perfect. Where it's like he he has this calm about him where uh, a lot of his dialogue is very profane. Like he drops a lot of f bombs throughout the movie, but his delivery is is very flat, very calm. <laughs> it's like it's like it's like everyone around me is affected by these things, but I'm not. <laughs> but I'm not. Yeah, but he uh, he speechifies a bit about badass motherfuckers trying to get out of hell, <laughs> and it's his job apparently to get those badass motherfuckers back into hell. And we get a shot of a muscle car charging down a like a freeway bridge out of hell. like they have a bridge they yeah have, they have a road out of hell <laughs> oh yeah and muscle cars in hell and then i think we end up in colorado uh yes uh slaughter colorado uh, i was actually i'm sorry is laughter colorado because yeah. immediately when i saw that i'm like oh slaughter slaughter is the best medicine um yeah another dark, dark night. night reference yeah it might be <laughs> dark Trump. it might be it might be Dark Knight references references today, not not Wayne's World. Sorry, uh. folks. <laughs> but yeah, so, we're in Colorado, and we open with an action beat without context. So you mentioned this that this is Nick Cage in his um, Nickelback uh, day, years. This is the most Nickelback looking Nick Cage I've ever seen. Like as soon as I saw him, I'm like, he looks gross, and he looks exactly like Chad Kroger from Nickelback. This, this is this is Chad Kroger between shows. Like, like when when he hasn't cleaned himself up, when he's not ready for the public, this is him playing Mario Kart at home. <laughs> like, it's bad. Like li- living on Eggo waffles. <laughs> All I've had is Eggo waffles and chai tea for about two months now. It's a part of my acting process. It's it's my method. You know, you gotta get in the head of the character. I, I'd imagine uh, it's pretty common to subsist on Eggo waffles in, in hell. <laughs> I'm- been practicing my telepathy on the mailman it doesn't seem to be working (laughs) i could totally see nick cage doing that (laughs) just like pulling back the curtain through the window and being like (laughs) just trying to like just two fingers to the temple just squinting at the guy and then he walks off and damn (laughs) Damn. he just shuts the curtain and has to trudge out to the mailbox more junk mail (laughs) so yeah we get an action beat uh where there are some gentlemen in a truck uh, everybody seems to have some measure of makeup on their faces. Like they're kind of they have like ruddy complexion and scars. Um, it's not explained very well in this scene, but I kind of pieced it together later on that these are cultists uh, that yeah. belong to the cult that I mentioned in the summary. Um, but during the scene, we don't get any indication of that. <laughs> it's just no. I, I kind of pieced it together because almost all the cultists have some some form of deformity or some sort of scar on them or something. And I got that one guy has an amazing wig hat. Oh, there's amazing. more wigs. There's another <laughs> wig. There's another wig coming up uh, but, in the church. But yeah, uh, these guys are driving around a truck. Uh, Nick Cage is chasing him with a car. Uh, he's, his car's got some bullet holes in it, so apparently this chase has been going on for a bit, and they've been shooting at him. Uh, and then Nick Cage somehow manages to flip their truck by shooting at them. I didn't quite figure out the physics of that, <laughs> but he, he pulls a shotgun, and then he pulls the trigger, and the truck just flips. And then we get a, a very Punisher-esque scene. where uh, That's he walks exactly up. what I was thinking was Punisher. Like Tom Jane Punisher specifically. Tom Jane specifically, yes. Yeah. Um and yeah, these guys are like spilled out of the truck and they're trying to defend themselves. And we get our first indication that this film was shot in 3D uh, when he shoots a gentleman 
in the wrist mm. and he blows his hand off very RoboCop-esque. But that his hand flies sense. up into the camera. <laughs> that makes sense. I was I was wondering what some of this weird shit was all about. That makes so much sense now. A lot of the cinematography in this film, including the lighting, uh, caters to the fact that this was intended from the ground up to be a 3D film. Gotcha. That makes uh, a lot more sense now. Yeah. Uh, that's why it's a very bright film also. Uh, oh, yeah. It's very important to overlight your films when you're shooting in 3D because apparently uh, when you put it through the processing, it, it fucks with it really badly. Um, I heard some horror stories about the Clash of the Titans, uh, the Sam Worthington one. <laughs> uh, oh, I haven't seen that. It was, it was post-processed into 3D, so it wasn't shot with the intention of being 3D, uh, but because he was in it and because Avatar made all the money, they are like, huh, let's do that. And I guess the processing they put it through made it like pitch black when you're trying to watch it in the theater with the glasses, and you're just like, I can't fucking see. It's I like you're not see. missing anything. <laughs> I fell asleep at Avatar because we oh. had to go see it in 3D. Yeah, I fell asleep. It was damn. Yeah, I slept the whole. I think the whole thing. I think I might have slept. It well, was bad. I my my feelings are mixed on Avatar. It's like it's not bad, but it it's very safe in a lot of ways. Like, it doesn't feel as adventurous or as grand as it could have been. But the the last third of it does kind of come together pretty well. Like, it, pretty much as soon as that tree gets blown up. <laughs> the big tree. You know it. Um, but, yeah, uh, I noticed the music during this scene. It, it's like, like... Oh, I hate it. I hate the music in all this movie. I kind of like it. And I knew it remi- you were What it that. reminds me of is uh, uh, Tito and Tarantula... Uh, who did the music for Desperado, the Robert Rodriguez movie? Mm-hmm. It reminds me of like that biker bar kind of sound. Um, mm. In fact, it just reminds me. This whole movie reminds me of Robert Rodriguez in a lot of ways. But the the soundtrack in particular made me think of his movies, which he often scores. Um, I really like the soundtrack for Desperado, by the way. <laughs> hmm. And I think those guys showed up in a From Dust Till Dawn as the as the titty bar uh, band. I can't remember. I, I've seen Once Upon a Time in Mexico. Oh, that's not very good. Yeah, that's like that, the that's like the Enrique Iglesias movie with Willem Dafoe and Johnny Depp. I don't remember. <laughs> I remember Johnny Depp's like I have to kill this guy, but that's it. That's all I remember from it. No, uh, it. I mean, the, I tried. The one, the one good thing that came out of it was Are you a Mexican or a Mexican? And, <laughs> and Danny Trejo's reply of I'm a Mexican was pretty cool. Hmm. But yeah, the, no, Once Upon a Time in Mexico is a big disappointment. Yeah, I didn't care for it. But yeah, uh, during this exchange, uh, Nick Cage, of course, very nonchalantly kills everyone. Oh yeah, very <laughs> uh, nonchalant. It's kind of it's cute in some ways. It's funny. But uh, before he kills the one guy, though, he asks him, Where is she? Uh, where's the baby girl? And uh, the guy tells him... Uh, I forget what location he says, but Stillwater or something. Mm-hmm. And Nick Cage like gives him a look like, I don't know what that means, but thank you for sharing. And there is mention of uh, at the first full moon, this child will be dead. Yeah. And Nick Cage seems to be pretty bothered by this, so he, he kills the guy. And then I think uh, we get our classic action movie trope where he shoots the gasoline trail to blow up their truck. But, of course, it's an action movie, so he has to be walking away from the explosion with sunglasses when it happens. With sunglasses. And then we get our 3D title flinging straight into the camera because, again, 3D movie. But uh, (laughs) 
Nick Cage gets a, a line here that it's not an amazing line, but it just made me think of Tombstone. Um, he said, Hell's already walking the earth. You tell him I'm coming. I'm coming to bring her back. It, was, it just reminded me of Kurt Russell saying, You tell him I'm coming, and Hell's coming with me! <laughs> yeah. Might be my least... I know least. you don't like Tombstone, but... It's it's my least favorite Kurt Russell performance, honestly. Like it's just not great. I like Val Kilmer in there; he's good. But you don't like, I mean, Michael the, Bean. The, the no scene. Do you know? No, that's scene? awful. Yes, that's that's what made that's like my number one thing I dislike from that <laughs> that's movie. That's a is brilliant the no. scene. It's it's all, no, no no. It's so bad. It's what so about bad. him walking around in the rain with Bill Paxton's blood on him? No, like, no. I just no. love when when the lady runs up to him and she's like trying to console him. He's like, "Oh, get away from me!" <laughs> like he I, just gives her like a look, like, "Don't, don't touch me." It just it was all everybody was just over the top except for Val Kilmer and Michael Bean and who, who the guy with the smile, the main guy. Oh, I can't Powers, think of his name. Powers Booth. Is that who it is? I he's been. Uh, he plays much. Curly Bill. He's like the chief antagonist until he dies like halfway through and he gets replaced by Michael Bean. Because yeah. that's how stories work. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, do you so, want to introduce Amber Heard to us? Yeah, uh, I'm a big. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm actually a big Amber Heard fan. Um, aesthetically, not so much uh, with the acting. Um, this was actually the first movie I've seen of hers. To be honest, she was in. Uh, you forget she's in Pineapple Express. That oh, she's, she is. She's uh, yeah. She's um, his uh, girlfriend in that. She's fine in there. She's I funny. don't remember her at all. But I have to say, I've I read the Rum Diary, the Hunter S. Thompson novel. I've read it several times. I really like it. But there's a character in there named Chanel or Chenault, however you want to put it. Mm-hmm. Um, when I saw her for the first time after reading that book, I'm like, that's exactly what they describe. That's exactly who they described in the book. I'm like, wow. that's that's my picture. And that's who was cast to play Chenault in the Rum Diary movie with Johnny see, Depp. That's really cool. Yeah. That must that must have felt really cool to see. It was it was spot on. That movie's not good, but that was spot on. <laughs> but yeah, uh here's here's where we get back to um what we've talked about with Ava Mendez in uh in Bad Lieutenant. Um Amber Heard is a I'm gonna say waitress. it's server, but diners, it's a waitress. Uh <laughs> she's a waitress in bumfuck Oklahoma. I'm like <laughs> absolutely not. One hundred percent not. You can go be a model. You've been told that your whole life. You can go do that. Um, however, her friend Katie Mixon, mm-hmm. spot on. That's 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 good diner casting. Uh, well, I was about to say, um, I didn't want to cut you off, but uh, Katie Mixon uh, is also in Hell or High Water, mm-hmm. in the exact same role, yeah. and she's amazing. Like she she knows how to do that. Apparently, <laughs> maybe she's done that in her life. She's from the South. She's in Eastbound and Down, which I'm a huge fan of. Yeah. Uh, Speaking great of which, show. have you seen Hell or High Water? No, it's Ben Foster. Yeah. Is it Chris Pine? Yeah, the lesser Chris, but still yeah. Chris. I just, it's hard for me to watch his movies. I just, I can't get in, I can't, well, I can't really get into him. Jeff Bridges, though. Yeah, it just, I. it's been on my list for a long time. I just haven't gotten around to it. Well, I'll tell you right now, it's pretty good. So, okay. If you do I've, get around I've to it. I've heard good things. It, yeah. Anyway, uh, Amber Heard working at Fat Lou's Roadside Diner. It, he um, calls them bitches. Like he just straight up is like, "Are you bitches? Shut!" I'm like, "Dude, are you kidding me right now? You are disgusting. 
I think he spit on the grill too while he was at it. <laughs> He's human garbage. Yeah, I don't know this gentleman's name, but he has been in countless films in this exact same role. He's a he's a heavy set gentleman with like a heavy alcoholic face. <laughs> like he's got like he's a white guy, but he's like beat red all the time. Oh, I think he's uh you can barely see them nipples from uh from Scrooge. I think he's that guy. The I think you're right. I think he's been on the, a lot of the movies. grips. You, He's, yeah, folks he's out there, if you see him, you'll you'll have recognized him from something. He could play the he could play the clown from Spawn, pretty yeah, much. He's, he's uh, the gentleman that apparently runs the diner, but he's he's cooking right now. So Katie Mixon goes up to Nick Cage's table, and uh, he must set he must give off some kind of scent because he has he is just like getting these waitresses hot and bothered with just his presence. Uh, by the way, I meant I put a pin in the uh, Milton. So I believe his name is Milton because he was originally the they were originally going to cast a 70-year-old man to play Milton, to play this character because he's supposed to be old. Yeah. The character yeah. is supposed to be old. So I think they're like, "No, we're going to cast Nick Cage instead." And like, "Okay, what about the name?" Like, "Eh, keep the name. Milton's fine." So <laughs> that that might be why it's kind of weird to see a guy like this uh, named Milton. Well, Milton just makes me, it makes me think of like just a, a a mousy, nerdy Rick Moranis type person. <laughs> I always like... think Milton Burl. <laughs> but yeah, Milton just it's it's kind of an unassuming name. It, it's yeah. it's a little out of place, especially because I don't think I don't think he actually says his name until like a half an hour into the movie, and at the time you're just like, what? <laughs> who yeah, who cares at this point? Yeah, <laughs> but. Uh, uh, Katie Mixon, very, very aggressive, by the way. Very. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, he's he's asking about a car. Does he ask her what kind of car? He's like, is that your charger or whatever out there? She's like, no, I can't afford it. And he's like, well, whose is it? Is it hers or something? She's like, yeah. And then she, he hard, he asks for coffee with sh- black coffee, sugar. And then... They make out really, really hard at the at the table, and then he's like, "I asked for sugar." Like, yeah, it, the timing of it's pretty great. It's because, pretty good. Like, they're she's flirting with him, and he he actually does this thing a couple times in the movie where he's he's just like has a a frumpy face, like somebody just like cut a muffin right in his face or something. Yeah, and he's like waiting for them to admit to it. <laughs> yeah, but he does this like one eye twitch a couple times in the movie, and he does it here when she's coming on to him. You can tell that he's like he's shooting her the most disgusted face you'll ever see, but she's yeah. she's unrelent, she's just relentless, and uh, yeah, uh, she pulls in for a deep kiss, and in the middle of the kiss, he actually like separates for a sec, six, sips the coffee, <laughs> and like Kyle said, I asked for sugar, <laughs> I asked for sugar. So he's basically telling her you fucked up. I'm like somebody needs to call the HR department, man. We got the boss calling people bitches. We got waitresses making out with customers at their table, um, and then uh, something happens here. And Luke, what was it? Oh, um, Amber Heard like gives this uh, this couple or this family uh, free food, basically like on the house. Yeah. And Lou's like, oh, you can't be doing that shit. So he just like, I think he grabs her ass or something like that, or smacks her ass. And uh, she, what hits him in the? Or she hits him with something and then shoves money in his mouth and quits. It's actually a nice little, nice little sequence here. Like I think it's like a, a knee kick to the nuts. It's very fluid. Very fluid. <laughs> Not it's the been first time of. she's done that. <laughs> Not the first time, and it's been well thought out. Like yeah, this is yeah. how I'm gonna quit. 
Uh, that this is the beginning of a trend in this movie that's a little unfortunate. That pretty much every male character in this film is a bit of a pig. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot of violence towards women in this film. This is, thankfully, it's it's all done in a cartoony fashion. Yeah, but it it gets a little tiresome the third or fourth time it happens. <laughs> there's there's no real there's no real tone in this. It's like yeah, like you said, like the violence against the women. It, it's still kind of kind of funny that like, there's no real no real weight to it when it well does i mean we'll get to it in a bit but for some reason and i i don't know if this is a failing of the cinematographer or the director himself or the choreographer but punching in this uh, film would... does not obey the laws of physics hang on a sec <laughs> i literally have a, see if you can read my note here i left out one of the words but see if you can read that how did amber's I can't read that. <laughs> it's, it's, how did you like Amber's punches? Ah, uh, yes, we'll get to that. Um, I did Jesus. not. <laughs> <laughs> it's the worst punching I've ever seen. I These mean, are some of the worst punches I've seen on film. <laughs> yeah, it's awful. Yeah. Uh, thankfully, there's only maybe a half dozen of them, but yeah, they're all terrible. I think Linda Hamilton has like five pounds on her in, in Terminator 2. That's how, sk- how little tiny Amber Heard is in this movie. Size doesn't matter. It's just like, just it, there. There's a dance that needs to be happening between your fist and the person's body. She's like, getting no. She's getting no hips behind. Yeah, this, it's just like yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and then on top of that, though, the reaction is inappropriate. Where it's like that. That's not how punches work. No, <laughs> like, that's no. That's not how physics works. No. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, because of this. Uh, because her boss is a horrible human being and tries to do some stuff to her. She, like Kyle said, gives him a swift beating and says, I quit. And she runs out to her car, which does, in fact, happen to be the charger that Nick Cage was eyeing. Uh, so I assume that he tampered with it in between these scenes here. Yeah. Uh, because her car does, in fact, break down down then... the road not too far from here. Uh, it's important to note, uh, in this diner... Uh, there is a inbred-looking gentleman <laughs> with a leather jacket who, in fact, Nick Cage later in the film just calls leather, I think. Uh, he's, at, he's at the diner, and uh, he starts following them from this point for the next couple of scenes. Mm-hmm. And he, he really stands out. He looks kind of like the... In fact, he might be uh, the one guy from Pirates of the Caribbean with the glass eye. I don't think it's him, but that kind of looking guy, yeah. Yeah, he's got a gawky way about him. He he looks fidgety and weird. Anyway, um, <laughs> we get we get a quick shot of Amber Heard driving her car down the freeway, and she is listening to a song with the lyrics "Fuck the Pain Away." <laughs> it's called "Fuck the Pain Away." I hate that song. I was and so... she's singing along to it. <laughs> it's that and "Crazy Bitch." If I hear "Fuck the Pain Away" or "Crazy Bitch," I'm like shut up, just turn it off. I, that that really. That really pissed me off when she started singing that. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to like this movie. Well, just the, the tone in which she's singing it, it's so casual. It's supposed <laughs> to be like, ooh, she's hot and she's singing Fuck the Pain she's Away. dangerous. Oh, jeez. Fuck off. <laughs> well, it is 2011. I mean, we're like one... We're, yeah, by, we're almost to making good movies. Well, by the logic of, of you know 2011 film studios, uh, the world was going to end next year anyway, so... Yeah. <laughs> you may as well... Fuck the pain away. Fuck the pain away. Uh, but yeah, her car starts to smoke. She ends up pulling over, and then somebody saw Transformers. Nick Cage just like 
Batman's into the frame, just like, zip, hey, can I help you? <laughs> Somebody saw Transformers, because this is almost spot-on Megan Fox with the Daisy Dukes walking around the car. Like, yeah, only difference being that scene with Megan Fox, probably Michael Bay probably blocked off an entire month to shoot that. <laughs> Whereas Close set. Scene, they probably had 20 minutes. Yeah. It's yeah, like, it is funny. Every angle. <laughs> every angle. Megan. Every angle. Like, and I need an I need an additional year to edit just this one scene because we need to get it right. Hey, Megan, how do you uh, feel about animal crackers? <laughs> no. Okay. It's like, oh, not op- not open to no. that. Okay, not open. Okay, okay, not open to animal crackers. It's like I, I thought that was going to be a thing in my filmography. Thank you for crushing my dreams. I appreciate it. Uh, so we got a month here at this car. <laughs> like, uh, so yeah, uh, Nick Cage, like she pulls over, and two seconds later, he just, zip, hey, <laughs> and uh, words words cannot describe what he looks like in this film. Like you need to look up a picture of it. Just look like, up Chad I, Kroger if you've seen Chad Kroger <laughs> from Nickelback at this time. It's exactly what he looks like. Yes. So imagine Chuck. Imagine Chad Kroger. Like disheveled Chad Kroger stepping out of the tall grass on the side of the freeway and offering to help you fix your car. <laughs> Two like, things. Would you accept that? One, it's called the long grass. And uh, uh, don't go into the long grass. Don't go way. into the long grass. And then uh, two, it's uh, if Chad. Kro- it, it's Nick Cage is just Chad Kroger if he was talented. If Chad Kroger was talented. Oh. Boom. <laughs> so mean get at me um, canada <laughs> but yeah nick cage she accepts nick cage's offer and he just he just like touches the engine he doesn't do anything he just like this fumbles is, with it for two seconds this is a huge red flag of a dude's like, i'll give you a ride She's like okay cool and he fixes it immediately. he doesn't even ask what's wrong with the car it's mm-hmm. like he knows what's wrong with it. he's willing to tamper with it but she's just like oh cool he fixed it okay yeah, yeah so she agrees to give him a ride, which he asks for. However, uh, she only says that I can take you to the truck stop, which is not far from here. No. And he's like, okay. So they hop in the car together. And I think at this point, uh, we get introduced to William Fickner. Um, we get a pretty cute shot of him walking down a street, like, covered in trees. Uh, there's autumn leaves blowing and him crossing a bridge. He's wearing a slick suit. So picture William Fickner wearing a suit walking down a country road a little out of place um he gets a nick cage has the like the the butt rock music to accompany him like that's his theme music he gets he gets like the the biker bar music hillbilly butt rock yeah hillbilly butt rock that's let's leave it that uh whereas fickner gets kind of a bluesy like riff um, he gets he gets a slide guitar specifically uh and then his his introductory line, aside from the narration, is, "You, you, fat, fat fuck, fuck, come here, come here." <laughs> I was like, "Perfect, yes, <laughs> I am on board with this." <laughs> I, that's uh, as soon as he said that, I'm like, "Okay, Fickner's going to be the be- the better part of this movie." Oh yeah, okay. no, he's he is easily the best part of this film. I wasn't sure he was going to be in it, really, because he was doing the voiceover. I'm like, is he gonna? Is he just gonna be narrating? I wasn't sure what he was gonna do exactly, but yeah, yeah, I didn't know either. Even from the trailers, I remember uh, 
his presence was limited. Like, there weren't too many shots dedicated to him. In fact, the plot was kind of hard to piece together based on the trailers. Uh, Trevor, um, the plot is still hard to piece together. We'll there isn't really much of one. <laughs> <laughs> this is literally, it, I'd say, about 70 minutes of dick grabbing, and then some of the plot comes in after that. Yeah, yeah. most of the runtime is slow motion gunfights and stuff. There, oh, there, wait till we get to the car chase coming up. Just... Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get but there. But yeah, uh, Fickner rolls up on the diner, and uh, Katie Mixon and the the fat gentleman that Amber Heard had, had beaten up and chewed out, uh, they're both out in the parking lot, and Fickner interrogates them for a bit, and he starts asking them, he starts questioning them about uh, <laughs> Nick Cage. He's no, looking it... for him, apparently. If you don't know anything about Katie Mixon, if you haven't seen her, she's very pretty. Uh, I, she's a nice little country peach, uh, yeah, as it were. She, that's that's a good description. <laughs> she is very, um, how would you say, she's very busty. She's a very curvy, busty lady. And I don't know if you noticed this or not, but the whole time she's talking, Fickner is just staring at her knockers. <laughs> yeah, little, actually, I did, in fact, notice that. And he just got, uh, one oh, of his lines is a... The, the fat gentleman asks him, like, what did you say to me? And Fickner, I, I kind of love this this physical acting here and, the, the, like, the timing of his delivery. He, delivery must be, like, one of his strongest suits. Like, he knows yeah. how to say – he knows how to say his lines. Like, yeah. he knows how to make them interesting and memorable. So the line is just – I said, dead fat fuck. But the timing of it, the way he says it is – he says, I said, dead fat. And then he looks at her – and then he says, fuck. <laughs> it's like, yes, again, good job. Like, you, you paced out your words and you made it funny. Because it's a really simple line. But just that timing of him, like, star- like staring yeah. at her when he said the last part. But yeah, uh, he's looking for Nick Cage. He gives them a basic physical description and says he look- he's about 6'1". Probably looks like he's from out of town. And then I think that's the end of that scene. There's not much to it, but that's our introduction to him. Yeah, then uh, Amber Heard gets to... This looks like a motel. Is she living in a motel? It like, looks like it. It looks like they're living in a motel, which is a bad a bad sign if, you, if, if you're with somebody. If you're like on a date and you're like, let's go back to my place, and they're living in one of those motels. You're like, oh, this is bad. Like, oh, I'll, I'll wait out front. <laughs> Either you're doing drugs or you just got out of jail for doing drugs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, he's just like thank you very much, and he, he just kind of walks off into the distance. And I, as soon as I, as soon as she pulled up, I'm like, her boyfriend's in there having sex with another woman because you have to. She's gonna be with Nick Cage the rest of the movie. We know that. Like, mm-hmm. we have to get rid of the boyfriend somehow. Well, we can't kill him because then she's gonna be all emotional. Like, what do we do? He's banging some other lady. Yeah, some other, some other lady who very clearly knows her because she calls her by name. Like, Does she? I didn't even notice that. Uh, well, there's there's a lot of things to distract you during this scene. So yeah, it's uh, very distracting. Nick Cage walks off away from like in the opposite direction, and Amber Heard heads into her home. Uh, and yeah, her boyfriend is being ridden by some uh, naked, uh, dark-haired woman, <laughs> very naked. Um, and then, without skipping a beat, uh, Amber Heard, whose character's name is Piper, by the way, uh, she grabs this woman by the hair, by the mane, and drags her off of her man 
like marches her out the front door and it's pretty fucking shocking it's like damn again this is one of those things i'm guessing you've done before (laughs) yeah (laughs) well her boyfriend is i think the only dude less attractive than him is michael berryman the guy from the 1977 the hills have eyes (laughs) because this dude is damn shit (laughs) i mean he looks like like, he looks kind of like he looks like a deflated stone cold steve austin but Stone you gotta Cold be at least a piece has of a good shit. Bone structure to him, you know. If you look like him and your girlfriend's Amber Heard and you're cheating on, like, the dude's got game. I'm, I'm just saying. I guess the girl so. he's cheating, the girl he's cheating, that's impossible. Like, <laughs> the girl he's cheating on her with is very attractive as well. But I mean, really, you, you should be thankful for what you have, sir. Don't get greedy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she marches this woman out the front door and uh, she slugs her. Like, straight in the face a couple times. But it's during this exchange that the dark-haired woman doesn't say, like... She's, she does, in fact, like, say, fuck you, Piper, or something. Yeah. And then she says, I love him. <laughs> Which prompts another punch to the face. But, yeah, this is where the the punches come into play. Uh, and they're, they're just terrible. They're so bad. They're so bad. They're so bad. They're so bad. I think the fight choreography between uh, Sonny... Cor- Corleone and uh, that piece of shit that marries his sister. Do you remember? There's that one, just that one shot where he punches him, and mm-hmm. he's about a foot away from his face, and they shot it from the side. That, that was. No, I, I was getting flashbacks of, of eight millimeter when Machine slaps the girl. It's just like that's oh, yeah. a whiff. <laughs> like, there was no contact made. <laughs> well, there's a way to like let the arm go out long and make it look like she's hitting, but she's literally coming across like she's shadow boxing. Yeah, she's she's doing a thing that they do in pro wrestling where for some reason in the old days anyway, I don't, I don't think they do this anymore. But in the old days, lady punches in wrestling always were always like forearm hits. Yeah. And it would always look really weird because like ladies in wrestling back in the day were generally pretty slim and it's yeah. just it's just like it's like little like it's like they're giving you a noogie <laughs> like, <laughs> but yeah amber heard punches this lady in the face a couple times and with each one there's like the head whip the the body torque that goes into it there's just a lack it's, of timing and chemistry that it just looks terrible it's bad there's no sense of impact to any of it but yeah she lay she lays this lady out and the the uh cherry on top though is the the maga guy that <laughs> walks in the background and, and takes a oh, yeah, he's photo good. of, of like the him. lady that's been knocked out so it's this really heavy set gentleman like wearing a looks like a visor and yeah. a american flag shirt and he just like whips out his phone and takes a picture of the are lady you sure this isn't from 2004 because in 2011 we had like androids we had good phones in 2011 like everybody has flip phones in this yeah, That's, they do. I swear to God, this this was a, this is a time capsule. Like somebody forgot about this movie. Like, oh shit, we forgot to put out that Drive Angry movie. It's been on the <laughs> shelf for seven years. We gotta put it out. <laughs> yeah, it's like next year the world's gonna end. We gotta get it out now. Cage is gonna be pissed. <laughs> Gosh. But yeah, uh, following this, uh, she turns her aggression towards her man. And mm. she punches him as well, and uh-uh. he has no reaction to these punches. And these are like straight on into the into the grill. Like the, these are not slaps; these are like full on knuckle contact to the face. She weighs but he like pounds. completely no sells them. He like he has no reaction to them. And then he punches her. Yeah, and, and it starts to get real violent. And her reactions are pretty 
pretty realistic, I guess. Um, so Nick Cage does the noble guy thing, and he's he's in like a payphone or some shit. Again, feels like two thousand one or something. Like, yeah. What are you doing at a payphone in twenty eleven? <laughs> Yeah, he's fiddling around with some shit that comes into play later. And then he, he overhears the shit going on in the background. He shows up. He rescues her. And uh, I think our scene concludes with uh, Nick Cage knocking the guy down and an air conditioner falls on his face. Cut to black. <laughs> Fade to black. Um, I just re- was reminded of something. One of these songs is um, performed or written and performed by a Coppola of some kind. I believe it's probably a Nick Cage cousin, if I am not mistaken. Oh, wow. Yeah, because I hate the music in this so much that I'm like, what are, what are these songs? So I look. <laughs> oh, yeah, Weston Cage Coppola. Wow. Oh, he's ni- uh, 1990. Wow. He's the actor, soundtrack producer. Yeah. Damn family connection oh maybe that's his son i would guess that's a son kate cage coppola yeah i could see that um but yeah uh our film resumes with uh (laughs) amber hurt unconscious in her own car and nick cage is driving her yeah again she's not she's not worried about this (laughs) but uh this is when we get a uh, a flash to some sort of vision that nick cage is having and it, it has like i'm having a vision (laughs) <laughs> um, it it has like scan lines on it so it looks like you're watching a like an old VHS tape or something and this is when we get to see uh, was it Billy Burke uh, the yeah. cult leader yeah yeah. Uh, <laughs> so uh, so with, with his this... sideburns and his mustache they give a little bit too much in this sequence. Usually, when you see little, it usually get little snippets here and there of this scene. Like you would just, get, you would just see like Billy Burke, and then somebody else, and then see him again. It would, it would move forward. Like well, we you would think whole... we'd revisit this like three times in the movie, and then like Turbo Kid, where you get the whole picture like the yeah. third time you, or like Mandy, where he has the nightmare visions and stuff. Yeah. Right? it starts to make sense with repeat viewings. But no, we no, get because... it all up front. <laughs> But it's but doing that it's more confusing because my original note said Bella's dad is Nick Cage's childhood cult dad leader, uh, penis bite, throat slit, gross shit. That, but that's yeah, not no, actually it, true. It took me a little while to piece together who was who and for like how they were all connected. Because like the woman, yeah. I was like, is that his mom or his his wife or his sister? I don't know who that is. It's just some woman. Yeah, but yeah, uh, we get a vision of Billy Burke walking into like what looks like a scuzzy motel room. There are a lot of those in this film. Uh, he approaches some woman. Uh, he roughs her up a bit, and then he puts her on her knees, presumably to do some business below the belt. Yep. Um, and then, she combination of editing and uh, sound effects, we figure out that yeah, she just took his manhood. Yeah. Like she took it. A good bite. <laughs> I don't know if she took it, but she definitely left a mark. Yeah, uh, his his face is not too pleased with that. But uh, immediately following this, he slits her throat, I believe, mm-hmm. and then uh, cut back Bru- to Nick Cage driving. He rubs it on his face. He's he's really into the whole slit in the throat thing. It's pretty well, gross. I mean, he's a, he's a cult leader. You gotta do he's, that, you know. That's yeah, <laughs> like, what villains do. Yeah. Um. But yeah, uh, Nick Cage is heading to Louisiana. I think he mentions that like Amber Heard aka piper is has like relations or is from florida or something or at least that's yeah. where she wants to go yeah so she agrees to travel together uh she allows him to keep driving her car <laughs> yeah. 
Um, and and I think at this point is when uh, we arrive at Bowl by the Balls, which is yeah. a bar. Bar and, uh, slash hotel. Yeah, yeah. It They're, like, attached to each other somehow. <laughs> I've never seen anything like that before. Yeah, like, I, I don't know how this works, but the uh, the concierge, there's a concierge, by the way. No, um, there's not. <laughs> <laughs> no. There's no concierge. <laughs> it's like, he doesn't work here. He well, just stands behind no. a podium and likes to pretend he does. Giant <laughs> Vegas hotels have, like, a, a restaurant. They have several restaurants in the lobby. There's all kinds of restaurants. And then even your bigger hotels will have a restaurant or two. But this is, it's like, an outside big restaurant bar Mm-hmm. That's attached to the hotel. Yeah, it's, yeah. It, the layout's a little confusing. It's a little weird, um, and the bar is mostly represented by like a, a country dance floor with a disco ball. <laughs> um, but the reason why I bring attention to the concierge, I'll just keep calling him that, <laughs> is that he is played by a Pruitt Taylor Vince, who I did in fact have to look up his name. I don't know it off the top of my head, but I know him as Wiggly Eyes. Because he is an actor, he's a heavyset gentleman. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll know yeah, yeah. him from Identity, Constantine, and uh, a movie that I put on our uh, maybe potential episodes list, uh, The Legend of 1900. Uh, he's a heavyset gentleman that has some sort of condition that causes his eyes to wiggle back and forth a lot. He's a very talented actor, um, but yeah. this is like his only scene in the movie for the most part, and I was I was happy to see him. It's kind of cool, and he yeah. apparently recognizes Nick Cage. In fact, he calls him by his name, Milton. Milton. Uh, which I believe is the first time we hear it in the film. Um, he's, like, he's like, yeah, I thought you were dead. Well, I'm, I am, or something. something. Whatever. <laughs> I'd like to remember the scene as him just, like, looking at him sternly and, like, farting or something and just leaving. <laughs> just like, bye. <laughs> we're, uh, it's basically just there to tell us that Nick Cage, or Milton isn't he's not really being honest with amber with piper he's not really telling her what his deal is and we know that something's going on yeah and we get another clue in just a minute here uh because he and piper uh sit down at a table together a waitress comes by and uh asks for their ids at which point uh Amber Heard reveals that she stole his wallet. For, I don't know what this contributes to the story, but apparently she just stole his wallet. She well, says she did it to protect herself. Which was like, smart. Yeah, that is very smart. That's like, in case smart. she needs to take off in a hurry, she'll take his shit. <laughs> well, no, if she if he, like, drove off with her car, she would have his identification. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it works. Yeah. And when they hand over the ID to the waitress, uh, his ID is clearly a few decades out of date very banged up uh so we get a hint that maybe he's a man out of time or something mm. i mean the first shot of the movie is him literally driving out of hell so we know but no one else in the movie does um it's during this point that the that amber heard points out that the waitress like katie mixon wants to jump his bones oh yeah i didn't pick up on that but she definitely did <laughs> She's like, you gonna do that? And he's like, what? <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, and again, all uh, just like it. with Katie Mixon, uh, he he gives the waitress that eye twitch, where, it, where it's just like, yeah, <laughs> it's not attractive at all, but I kind of like it. But um, Amber Heard ditches him. Uh, she just we get a shot of her like looking at it looks like a bus busser or something at the bar, yeah, and she just runs off to the dance dance floor and 
snatches his towel and says, "Come here." And it's like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> like that's that's what I want to do after I've been riding around a car with a stranger, and you know, watch my boyfriend get the shit kicked out of him and maybe died. <laughs> maybe died. Yeah, maybe died. Um, she asked. She asked if he killed him. He's like, "No, I didn't kill him." Yeah, and he's he's telling the truth. But the way yeah. that scene concluded, it's like ambiguous at that point because he had an air conditioner fall on his face. I didn't think he killed him. Not intentionally, anyway. No. Um, at this point, uh, I I noticed that that uh, that weird looking redneck guy that's been tailing them. He also appears here. Yeah. And we later learned that he's affiliated with the cult. Yes, um, he's being followed by the cult. Yeah, so the the cult is tailing Nick Cage in some fashion. Uh, and then uh, I believe we cut to Fickner interrogating the boyfriend. And um, I enjoyed the scene. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what's next. Because um, my next note is toenails and coitus. Uh, so yeah, he goes to uh, uh, he goes to uh, her boyfriend's house. And he. he what does he even do? Here's he where he got. He gets introduced to the cops. Um, he's basically interrogating this guy. He's like, "Where the fuck they go?" Like, I don't know who you're talking about, dude. Six one looks like Chad Kroger from Nickelback, and he's like, "Yeah, I know who you're talking about." Uh, fuck you. Uh, beats him up, and then he goes to grab a bat. And this is where and now I can see why this is 3D. Um, Fickner breaks the bat, and then just throws it into his shoulder and impales him onto the wall um continuing his interrogation uh he finds a picture i believe of amber heard he's like yep i can use this uh he ends up killing the boyfriend which the world's a better place without him he throws the other end of the bat into his face (laughs) (laughs) which is a pretty cool effect because we do get a close-up of the result a little later it's pretty good head cast like it Practical effects looks pretty yeah, slick. I was gonna say the practical effects were pretty decent here. There aren't too many of them, but they are pretty decent. They're pretty decent. Um, during this scene, <laughs> the, the boyfriend has a funny line. I think around the time, uh, I think around the time he's impaled on the wall and Fickner's like snooping around through his stuff, he you can hear very quietly and like very faintly in the background. You can hear him like mumble like, "Why does everybody keep hurting me?" <laughs> I was like, "That's pretty funny." Because yeah, like. Yeah. We've, we have, like, three main characters at this point, and every single one of them has hurt him in some fashion. I mean, they they weren't married, so, I mean, is it that big? Oh, yeah, it's because he's been uh, he'd been out of work. That's why he's a piece of shit. If he'd been, you know, paying his bills and he cheated on her, like, eh, that's just a bad breakup. But since she was taking care of him, that is pretty shitty. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Fickner... Uh, Fickner goes to leave and the cops are there and uh yeah, so like w- the way he got into the house initially was that uh, the boyfriend thought that Fickner was a cop because he yeah. had called the cops and he was like oh you you showed up earlier than I thought and he's like I'm not a cop <laughs> I'm not a cop <laughs> but yeah the the cop the two cops show up and then uh they're like hey we're looking for this uh <laughs> they we're looking for this guy. Yeah, he's in there. And, and I kind of <laughs> like that he didn't try to hide it. That was pretty yeah, cute. It was funny. He's like, yeah. Uh, and then the other cop goes in there like, oh, fuck. We have to do it, our job. God damn it. <laughs> we have to do our job. Like, literally, that's what he's like. God damn it. Okay. So he goes outside. And he's like, freeze. And Fickner pulls out a, a coin. Um, 
and he's like, oh, oh it's, I guess it's your lucky day, or see if it's your lucky day. And he flips the coin up in the air again. This is the 3D shot. It's in 3D, so the coin goes directly into the camera. Yeah, and then he comes down, and he's got an FBI badge, and he basically yeah, it's, tells... It's basically a magic trick. He catches the coin, he flicks his wrist, and it turns into an FBI badge. And he convinces these two nitwits that uh, he is an FBI agent, he's going to deputize them, and... Uh, we got to go find this guy, so let's go. Yeah, um, and I like the the there's the short white guy, the short white cop. Yeah, like, he's like that's against protocol, but like his face is not matching his words, <laughs> or you can tell he's kind of excited. Yeah, because <laughs> Fickner tells them shoot to kill. Like as soon as you see him, shoot to kill, and the white white cop's just like that's against protocol. That's against protocol. <laughs> he's like yes, yes it is. <laughs> so yeah, uh, so, what was it? Yeah. Nails and coitus. Yeah, nails and coitus. Toenails and coitus. So coitus Amber Heard uh, Amber Heard is getting her nails painted by the busboy. I, I don't know if they had sex. His shirt's off, so maybe they had sex. No, they have not. Okay, uh, so she's... Apparently she was just looking for a manslave. <laughs> a manservant. She, yeah, she just needed a friend. Like, she's been single for, like, five minutes. She needed to friend zone some dude immediately. <laughs> so... <laughs> yeah, he uh, does actually ask, are we going to do it? And she's she says, like... Maybe if you do a good job on my nails. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's a good try. You should have just gone for it. Um, but she, so next door, like, I, it took me a second to realize what's happening. Like, oh, someone's having sex next door. And she starts banging on the wall. I'm like, well, that's rude. I'm like, is, it couldn't be. Oh, it's Nick Cage. Cut to, I think he's killing her with his dick. I'm not really sure. Uh <laughs> what kind of magic trick he's doing but we we cut to she's about to like fly off of his dick and hit the wall she's having such a good time uh and he has basically pulled his penis through his zipper and he's doing a real dewey cox here he's got his uh he's got his sunglasses on a a bottle of whiskey and uh and a cigar and she's just like just going to town yeah Uh, it's it's actually a pretty it's a good gag because we it's a, cut from Amber Heard. It's not a cut, actually. It's, well, it it's, is technically, it just but it's seamless. Yeah. Where, uh, she's, Amber Heard is laying in bed with her back against the wall, and, she, and her, her, man, her dude is doing her nails. And then she's banging on the wall because you can hear screaming, like all sorts yeah. of screaming. She's banging on the wall. Her. Shut the fuck up! <laughs> and then we do a Bad Boys 2 shot where we, we pan through the wall. And on the opposite side, Nick Cage has his back up against the wall, and he like he is fully clothed with sunglasses on, and just pull it through the zipper. It's long. What's kind enough. of amazing is I think he's totally immobile. Like he's either either he has figured out a way to thrust without moving any other part of his body. So no, imagine sh- imagine just like a man's pelvis just wiggling and the rest of him being completely still. No. She's doing all the work. They're She's using doing the bed. A lot of work. She's doing all the work. He is using the bed as his hips. He's, I don't think he's doing anything. He's Kyle. not exerting any energy. <laughs> he's just She's doing there. all the work. She's working for it. <laughs> but yeah, he's just laying there. He is just a lump and this lady is riding the shit out of him. And it's pretty fucking funny. <laughs> Um, but um, yeah, the contrast between the tone of those two scenes, the timing is pretty good. Where it's like you have a very platonic, very cute scene, and then like rough sex. <laughs> rough sex. Oh, real quick, Jonah, uh, Jonah, King, uh, Jonah King, the Billy Burke. 
That yes. guy, that actor, he's from Bellingham. Really? Yeah, right? Wow. Yeah. Represent. Washington, Washington native. Represent, man. I mean, that's almost Canada, so he's probably a secret Canadian. There's a lot of those in Hollywood. <laughs> that's how he was probably cast in Twilight. And like, hey, you live close to where we're shooting. Yeah, I'll like, do it. Not not at all. But <laughs> <laughs> I got to be sure. a dad. Do so I sure. look like a dad? Yeah. He's yeah. an odd face. Like... He, he's not like a good-looking dude. He's not a bad-looking dude. He's he doesn't really have a type though. Like, like Danny Trejo clearly has a type. Like he's typecast very quickly. Tom Sizemore, he's yeah, tough detective, bad guy, whatever you want to give him. He Billy Burke is not. I don't think he's good in this role. Like he's, I guess he's fine as Bella's dad. It's not much of a role, but he doesn't really fit cult leader. In this. I think he does some things with his performance in this film that I like. A lot of it has to do with body language and stuff. Like, he has some moments towards the very end of the movie that's like, that's pretty fun. But He leads with his dick, yeah. Yeah, I get what you mean. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, I don't know, I, I could see him, like, playing a character with, like, really awful obligations or somebody in too deep. I do, he I seems like say- he could play that kind of character where it's like, he's not a bad guy, but he's he's obligated to do bad things. He's a de- he's like a detective that ends up having he ends up being a bad cop, but it's because he got in bad with like gambling debt or some yeah, shit. Something and they're like gonna that. chop his daughter's head off or something, so he and, has and to. He has that kind of vibe in Twilight too, where he's always exasperated. Like he he just looks like he's like my fucking god, like <laughs> this girl, <sighs> like she's been sitting in a chair for six months. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she hasn't moved because <laughs> she's yeah. too sad. Fuck. Yeah, that's you go to the you have to go to this like you have to go to a psych ward if you if you don't get out of your room for six months like that's not healthy you can't do I mean that. imagine being the dad that has to put up with that it's like what the fuck do you do with that especially Ugh. if you're like the sheriff like you got, you, you got shit to do I'm not a father but I'm pretty sure dads would rather have daughter up in room as opposed to my daughter wants to go to Paradiso or uh, True. or Burning Man or something like, no, I know where she going. is <laughs> I know where she is. I know that she's not doing anything. She is safe. Dad, can I go to Burning Man? Mom says I can go to Burning Man. Are you out of your fucking mind? <laughs> no. <laughs> I am a small town fucking sheriff. God go damn to, it. You can go to that shit when you're in college. Now go to school. <laughs> Please. For the love of God, go to school. You've been sitting Burning in that man. chair for six fucking months. He'd be shaking his head for two weeks. Burning Man. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> Burning Man. This she had the audacity to ask me if she could go to. She's in high school. He in the kitchen spitting up his coffee. Just like <laughs> Burning Man. It's like reminding himself every couple days. <laughs> he spits it out of his nose. <laughs> Burning Man. Burning Man. Jesus. <laughs> Oh man, or he would even, or maybe she would like, can I go to Burning Man? He's like, oh, like trying to be, you know, he's trying to rebond with his daughter. He's like, well, well, he's what's Burning be cool Man dad now? So she shows him a video, and he's just like rubbing his, <laughs> rubbing his fingers through his hair. He's like, ah, you know, sweetie, won't you let, won't you let me think about that one? That's okay, when he, uh, that's when he toggles the radio on his hip. And it's like, uh, <laughs> uh, oh, we I gotta, gotta get out of I here. I gotta go. <laughs> 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 Fucking Burning we'll, Man. We'll talk about this later. Jesus. Fucking Burning Man. Yeah, anyway. Sue, yeah, totally, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I've got some ecstasy and evidence. Do you want me to go ahead and grab that for you, too, so you and your friends can, you know, have fun? No. Don't you know, Kyle, Jacob's only about giant muffins. Like He's not into the drugs, but they're all about those muffins. Oh, yeah, that's right. I thought you were talking about Jonah. I'm like, no, Jonah's into his morning grapefruit uh, from this movie, (laughs) but not not what you mean. Jacob, I remember now. Back home in in time for cornflakes. So I believe at this point uh, the redneck gentleman with the leather jacket has uh, rallied the troops and uh, he brings them to the bar hotel <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, including the head cultist Jonah King played by Billy Burke who we've been talking about for the past 10 minutes um, and they all show up at the dance floor and I don't really remember why Amber Heard is here but for some reason she left the room maybe to get ice or some shit and she's on the she's in the dance hall, and she takes cover. It's a very it reminded me of Jurassic Park, hiding from the raptors in the kitchen. Yeah. Um, and the cultists are milling about. We have a little like attempt at a suspenseful scene where he's looking for her, where Billy Burke is looking for her, and then there's she's in a mirror that we can see that he can't, and then he approaches where we saw her, and then she's not there, so she escapes safely, and then we get the slow motion shootout, which yeah. maybe. Could be the highlight of the movie, aside from William Fickner, if you ask me. Yeah, it's pretty stupid. Um, it's stupid, but it's charming. It's very well choreographed and conceived. Like, now, from a storyboarding standpoint, whoever put this together did a good job. Yeah, but the problem was is they kept cutting to slow motion to do the 3D shit. Like, I think it could have been a lot more fun if it was, if it was fast-paced. Snappy. Yeah, because uh, it started off good. Uh, the machete death isn't possible, by the way. Yeah, it was facing the wrong way. Uh, it was facing the wrong way. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah, I get. I'll give you. I'll give you the the gunfight here. Like it would be because he's holding on. He has the uh, the waitress who I think orgasms at one point uh, early in the gunfight. Like either think, that or when they're both being electrocuted. Something <laughs> like that. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, so, yeah, somebody brings a cattle prod. The important thing to note about this fight is that Nick Cage never once removes himself from the waitress. No. Uh, I don't know if there's any thrusting going on, but he is within her throughout the entirety of the sequence. Um, And the line that precedes the sequence is, I never disrobe before a gunfight or a shootout. Yeah. Uh, And apparently he knew this was coming. So, yeah. Where does uh, he dismount? (laughs) <laughs> no, no, he never once dismounts in this entire sequence. It's a couple minute long sequence. Uh, but yeah, uh, Nick Cage is in bed with the waitress. Uh, she naked. Uh, and like two by two, like they come in pairs. Like, yeah. <laughs> not not single file, like, you know, or, or like Tuscan Raiders or Stormtroopers or whatever, but like just from every entry point in the, in the apartment or the hotel. Uh, these rednecks run in with an assortment of weapons, mostly of the melee variety. Um, uh, yeah, <clears throat> the assortment of weapons. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, one guy comes in with a sickle. Yes, the last gen- the last person in the sequence runs in with a sickle. That's the. F- I... Was that your first choice, sir? <laughs> <laughs> you dumb fuck! A sickle? I There's mean, maybe, guns maybe going off. Everyone in here. else took all the good shit or something. I mean, Maybe if that's your thing, like, you can throw a sickle like a boomerang and you're just awesome with it, or I think 
Chinese throwing stars would have been more practical than a fucking sickle. I mean, at this a point. redneck with some some throwing stars could probably do a lot of damage. I mean, he's a he's a heavy set gentleman. He you can get a good a good you know swing a good swipe with that thing, but still, maybe a gun. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe a gun. Uh, maybe a gun. So yeah, Nick Cage starts shooting people. Um, at one point, there's this gag that was conceived very like very cleverly. Like I like what they were thinking, but the actual execution was very poor, mostly because the CGI was very bad. Um, he shoots a guy, and he has a sledgehammer thing, and he smashes a mirror in the room. And through the shards of glass, uh, Nick Cage sees a reflection of a guy behind him, mm-hmm. which is a very cool idea, but the CGI of the glass shattering of the mirror is just really bad. Yeah. Uh, so Nick Cage <laughs> does a... It reminded me of uh, that Steven Seagal movie, Belly of the Beast, because mm. Nick Cage whips around and shoots this, the guy behind him in the square in the chest, and it, like, blows his legs out from under him and blows him out the window, and it's like, oh, that was a handgun, dude. I don't, I don't know <laughs> that that reaction was warranted, but that was pretty fucking cool. It's not a 50 uh, cal, man. Yeah, it reminded me of Belly of the Beast, because that movie has some awesome instances where Steven Seagal just, like, shoves people, and then they put them on wire rigs so they fly like 20 feet and I think the last wire shot in that movie is a guy like flying into a a glass cabinet but he flies backwards like 20 fucking feet and it's hilarious Um, anyway uh, yeah like like Kyle mentioned somebody did indeed bring a cattle prod to the fight Uh, Nick Cage shoots him in the foot and then like shoots him in the head or something again still still within the the waitress Um, and then the last guy has a sickle and uh, Amber Heard actually shows up to save the day. She grabbed a hoe, like a garden tool hoe, yeah. uh, from the dance hall, and she puts it into his brain. Um, I want to point out that uh, <laughs> one of the henchmen in the scene who doesn't die, uh, he has a double-barreled shotgun, and he actually factors into a lot of the action scenes in the movie going forward. Uh, I don't know this gentleman's name, but I'm pretty sure it's the guy who shot Uncle Ben in the first in the first Sam Raimi Spider-Man movie. It is 100% that guy. Uh, he's also in The Longest Yard. He's in a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I was like, that motherfucker killed Uncle Ben. <laughs> well, if you watch the third Spider-Man movie, you'll know that it is actually Sandman that did it. <laughs> Are you defending Spider-Man 3? No. <laughs> Not even a little bit. That, Bruce that Campbell. One of the, that may be one of the few well-actually moments I've had with you, Kyle. What? Like, where you put up your finger and we're like, well, actually, actually. <laughs> the Sandman killed Uncle Ben. <laughs> Fucking nerd. <laughs> In you the Sam Raimi Spider-Man universe, you had a the perfect Sandman. Op- killed uncle ben <laughs> you, you had the perfect opportunity to uh get a fucking nerd in there on you should have so. jumped in with a uh 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 so uh i believe this is when the cops show up at the hotel yeah uh because after this i say fuck this music uh in my notes <laughs> i've got it like three times in here man it was really driving me nuts i like um, nick cage's theme but yeah most of it is a little grating Oh, I hate it. Uh, yeah, so the standoff with the cops, uh, um, the cops that came with William Fickner. Fickner's, this is odd because Fickner's character is supposed to come back and take Nick Cage. Spoiler alert. That's what Fickner's supposed to do. He's that's what, had. That's what he keeps saying, yeah. But he's got the perfect opportunity right now. And he like they look at each other at one point and he's just like, yeah. 
And this is also, I wrote a note like a few minutes later, like saying, can, is there like a rule that he can't drive or something? Because up until like the following scene, uh, he's always on foot. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I don't know why that is, but he's always on foot. And the movie's called Drive Angry. But yeah, uh, uh, these these cops show up, and uh, there's some shenanigans. Nick Cage gets shot in the torso, like vital location, and uh, Amber Heard ends up saving the day because uh, he hands her a pistol. Yeah, and they're in a pinch, and she shoots one of the cops, who then shoots the other cop, and yeah. they kill. They both die. So now she's a murderer. That's well, don't, she's killed like three people at this point. Damn, like within two minutes. Oh yeah, she has killed quite a few people. Yeah. She's okay with it, though. You know, yeah. <laughs> She's taking like, it well. Yeah, it's like it's like true romance. You know, it's like two two weirdos found each other, and a yes. lot of people have to die for their love. <laughs> so yeah, so this is where Nick Cage and uh, Piper they they get away, and this is where he passes. I think this is where he passes Fickner. Fickner's in the cop car, and I'm like, why doesn't he? I guess he does start chasing after them, but he doesn't start chasing after them. They just drive away. Yeah, he lets them go. Yeah, okay. If dude, if this were the T one thousand man, he would have been on them. Like it would have been no problem. He would have been all over it. But yeah, oh, yeah, he would have, he would have had his hook hands. He would have been climbing on the back. Ah! That was my <laughs> Edward Furlong impression of that movie. Oh my, yeah. There's a lot of uh, that. <laughs> so yeah, so now they're driving down the road, and uh, Amber Heard's like freaking out. She's like, I can't. I killed a cop, and he's like, It's not that big a deal. She's like, Fuck off. She's like, Who? What's your deal? She's like, are you? Are you? Did you escape from prison? Did you kill somebody? He goes, both, sorta, <laughs> sorta. <laughs> and she's mad. And I do like this line. Uh, she pulls out the gun. She's like, give me one. Give me one good reason why I shouldn't kill you right now. And sh- he says what I feel like this should have should have been said in so many movies because I'm driving. <laughs> If you hold a gun, you don't have the upper hand on the person who's driving. They have yeah. your life in their hands. Actually, what they could do is just unclick your seatbelt and then pull the parking brake and your head's going to go straight through the windshield. Or they can just go crash the car. So you have no upper hand with a gun. But yeah, she she's, she calms down and he's explaining things kind of a little bit. And, yeah, uh, he at the very least says they killed my daughter and took her baby. So we have motivation. He's not a bad guy. He's just, you know, trying to get a baby. Uh, but uh, then the cops show up. Well, a cop car shows up. A cop uh, car shows up. A cop car. And they're like, oh, shit. And it's William Fickner. And I, he reminds me of the Allstate Mayhem guy. Uh, a little bit, yeah. In, in this. Uh, he just kind of pulls up next to them. And he's like... <laughs> Do you have any gray poupon? Do you have any gray poupon? Gray poupon, yes. <laughs> rolled down the window. Uh, damn, I didn't even think we were going to get a Wayne's World in here. Hey, nice. Got it. Um, he, he was like, hey, you know you're going to have to come with me. And uh, Fickner's pretty confident. And it's pretty clear at this point, like, I, I could guess. I'm like, Fickner's some kind of supernatural. Well, we've, some kind we've of- seen it. Uh, when the boyfriend was fighting with him, he, he did yeah. some Agent Smith type shit where he's supernaturally fast and he broke a fucking Louisville slugger over his knee. He's pretty fucking strong too. Yeah. Uh, So yeah, he does have some sort of supernatural powers. 
I was going based off of his confidence. His confidence was of somebody who was just like, oh, well, what are you going to do? Well, Nick Cage is like, load up that shotgun. Well, the, the gun that he's having her grab is the one that he has in the case. And it's a five-barrel shotgun, if I'm not mistaken. I think so, yeah. Think so. Um, and it's called, is it a god killer? God killer. It's a god killer. So this has um, William Fickner, who we haven't seen be afraid of anything. He's a little, he's he's aware of the gun. And he's like, oh, shit, you've got, <laughs> you've got a god killer. Oh, maybe I should wash my mouth. Um, and Nick Cage actually uh, shoots him, shoots at him. Um, just nicks his cheek and yeah, just he, destro- he rolls with the bullet <laughs> like yeah. you would a punch or something <laughs> yeah and it just the the car blows up a bit and it flies off the bridge uh, we get like like four different shots of this car going on this cop car going off the bridge but it uh, it goes over and he pulls over for some rate like she's like pull over and like no 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 we just gained time like we yeah I'm yeah, we're we're running away from stuff that hasn't getting, stopped we're running away and chasing at the same time and need to get away from this and she's like pull over I gotta go look at this shit which I thought was really stupid but um they decide to keep moving after that yeah uh just to backpedal for just one second there were a couple of details here that in this brief sequence uh, were I thought very funny. Um, so one, when uh, Fickner first shows up, without even really looking backwards, Nick Cage snaps his fingers at Amber Heard and says, "Shotgun, it's already loaded." <laughs> and I was like, "That that is Cajun, that is Cajun acting, right? <laughs> Just snap, shotgun." <laughs> and then uh, when when Fickner first tries to talk to them, like to reason with them, he he taps on the the PA, I guess. On a, oh, on a yeah. cop car, and like he just gives this like, God damn it, kind of face because it squawks. <laughs> yeah, and it's like a guy who's so put together and like you said, so ultra confident. It's just like you can tell that just really upset his game because <laughs> he's trying to be cool. And it goes, <laughs> it's like God damn it. And then uh, there, this is the first of like three lines that I think may have been improvised by nick cage um he he says all of them in exchanges with william fickner and this one he says you think you're lucky you think you're baron samedi and if i remember right and i don't know if this refers to another character but baron samedi is from live and let die the james bond movie Mm. he was also in you know the n64 GoldenEye game which you know most of you out there probably remember that better but uh, he makes some weird quirky Nick Cageian references in this movie that's like that felt like it came from him not the script <laughs> um, but like I said that's the first instance of that he then, also meant he mentions he says he mocks the accountant on IMDb it says uh, he mocks the accountant asking if he thinks he's Anubis to which yeah, the accountant shrugs that would be the second instance and then, and then the third in, one was a character I didn't recognize which was Wotan I don't know lo- I thought he said but- I thought he said Loki. Lopan? <laughs> Lopan? I thought he said Loki. But yeah, so Anubis was the one in charge of deciding whether his soul belonged to heaven or hell. Okay. Well, anyway, uh, I think this is when we're introduced to the chief of police. The captain? Uh, Tom, Tom Atkins? Atkins. Yeah. Who looks... Who, I, 
I saw him. I'm like, he looks like Stan Lee. He looks like uh, Stan Lee in every single one of his cameos. He talks like him, too. Um, yeah. It's I weird. really like Tom Atkins. Uh, he's, if, if you don't remember him, uh, he's the lead in Halloween 3, uh, Season oh. of the Witch. Uh, the one that doesn't have Michael Myers. Yeah, I remember that and one. And also in another movie that I put on our to-watch list that I'd like you to watch is uh, Night of the Creeps. Hmm. Um, I really love that movie. He's also in Lethal but Weapon 1. I, That's what I knew him from. Yes, he is. He's, he's the father of the, the girl that jumps from the building at the beginning. Um, but yeah, he's always welcome. So it was really cool to see him show up. I was like, whoa! Like, it was funny, too, because the way he's introduced in this movie it, um, is one of one of the cops on the crime scene at the hotel is like I'm sorry sir you can't be on the, you can't be here this is a crime scene cuz he's in like casual clothes like mm. he looks like he's going to go fishing or something and I was yeah. like even through the giant sunglasses I was like that's Tom Atkins fuck yes yeah. he's supposed <laughs> he's to be, be there important. yeah <laughs> and then another person uh who unfortunately I don't know this gentleman's name uh but he has ruddy complexion and has like Michael Ironside's haircut um he was from the Tom Jane Punisher movie. I uh, remember when he's a uh, he goes to the money laundering office and he's like stealing all their money. And then there's the two guys in the ho- in like the building lobby that he has the Mexican standoff with. Um, he's one of those. Yeah, guys. I know you're talking about. I know you're talking yeah, about. He yeah. he he has a distinct look about him. Yeah, he looks like a goon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. So Tom Atkins is on the case. Uh, now that some cops have been murdered, uh, he has all the cops chasing Nick Cage as well. So we got a bunch of cops, some cultists, and William Fickner all chasing Nick Cage. <laughs> yes. Um, and then, of course, no uh, wannabe Grindhouse movie would be complete without stoners. Oh, um, God. This was kind Did... of a pathetic scene in some ways. This is because uh, being a former pothead from a rural, uh, rural state... Um, I know, I can tell you right now that there are no potheads in a rural area are riding bikes. No potheads are riding bikes underneath a bridge in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, so those two things. <laughs> like, there's no <laughs> way these two dudes would be doing this. Like I said, this this felt like a very silly scene to put in here, but it felt like something that someone with a very, very, very immature sense of humor would think would be hilarious. It's so and stupid. really all it is is William Fickner comes out of the cop car that fell off the bridge and uh, says some stuff to these stoners who are in awe of him climbing out of this car wreck. God damn! Yeah, yeah. it's very Terminator-esque, actually. Yeah, it's, uh, it's little to nothing is important from this. Yeah. Uh, so, so Nick Cage and uh, Amber Heard are now, now that it's crystal clear what Nick Cage is trying to do, he's trying to find Billy Burke uh, and the cult so he can get this baby, his granddaughter? <laughs> something um, like that. Something like that. Uh, so they're traveling together, and uh, she is a little weirded out because his bullet wound, again, to the torso, uh, seems to have taken care of itself. I mean, he came out of hell, <laughs> so I, I guess you get you get powers if you're undead or something. I don't know. But they roll up on a church, and she points out that that's his van. It's like a flame-covered... <laughs> it's like a flame-covered yeah. van. <laughs> like, is this the van from Mandy also? Like, yeah, it, actually, it kind of reminded me of that. But they pull up on a church, and Nick Cage uh, exposits a bit about the nature of the cult and what happened to his daughter. Um... I got to say, we haven't really touched on it, but Nick Cage 
gave a shit making this movie. Yeah, like, surprisingly. Like he, he did not phone in his performance. He has a couple of moments in here that are pretty genuine and have some thought put into them. Mm-hmm. Like him talking about his daughter and how she fell in with this cult and how he was unable to do anything about it and how she tried to escape and you know got beat up and then murdered at one point by the cult. Like He's, do- he's doing some stuff that make you give a shit. But... Well, all the while when he's telling the story, he's loading up all of his guns, of which he has several at this point. And then he enters the church, but he tells Amber Heard to stay out front. Don't come in. <laughs> yeah. And then he walks in and, and, you know, I don't know why he just casually walked in, but as it so happens, the entire congregation is the cult. And they're yeah. all armed. And they subdue him very easily. And I was unable to look up his name, but I, I feel like the big... The big guy that grabs him at the door may be Scorpio from Predator 2. I I don't know if it is, but I feel like it might be. (laughs) Scorpio. The the cokehead guy from the opening shootout? Oh, it's very possible. I mean, it it had probably been, what, 20 years since then? The Scorpio is ready. (laughs) Yes, that guy. Oh man, I'll uh, I'll do some digging here. Um, <laughs> for some reason, I have uh, in my notes. Did somebody say, "Is this true?" Or did somebody say, "Yes, it's true"? Because somebody's this like, man "Is has this true?" No dick? Yeah, immediately. Anytime I hear either one of those, if I hear, "Is this is this true?" If I hear that, immediately I think of that. I or mean, he can't leave it hanging. <laughs> or if, if somebody's like, yes, it's true. I have to finish it with, this man has no dick. I'm, you, <laughs> you, you have to. I, I'm the same way. It's like, don't, you can't set that ball without spiking it. Like, you can't. It's impossible for me. <laughs> I don't know if someone said that in the scene, but... Um, it's, there was some, it, Somebody said it. I'm just not sure if it somebody was on set, the whole like, thing. Maybe the guy holding the boom mic under his breath like said into his armpit, like... I promise somebody did. Somebody did. Somebody did. A PA PA or maybe the director behind the monitor or something. Oh, jeez. But yeah, when they're uh, confronting Cage, uh, we get this pretty cool exchange. And again, this is is actually one of the better scenes that Cage has in this movie where he's he's staring down uh, Jonah King, Billy Burke. uh, And he's kind of alluding to the fact that uh, while he was in hell, uh, I mean, he doesn't actually say this, but basically he, t- he says that what happened to my daughter, I'm entirely in the know about. I saw every moment of it, and I know that she did something bad to your man business, but you didn't tell all your, your cult buddies. Uh, so uh, <laughs> during the scene, he's basically threatening Billy Burke's like dominion, I guess. Uh, and at one point, he points out that the redneck fellow with the leather jacket uh, was present during the murder of his daughter, and very promptly Billy Burke just shoots the guy in the fucking face. Yeah, <laughs> like not not a thought about it. He's just like, "Well, we can't have we can't have him telling everybody that my dick got bit off." That's what it was. It was like, "Is this true?" That's what he. Was, that's what it was. I think that's what did it. Um, in, Billy- in this case. Very likely true. <laughs> Billy Burke has, I think, my least favorite uh, piece of facial hair, which is the little soul patch right underneath the uh, lip. I hate it. I hate it so much. It's is that's that what the uh, 
Would you call that the the Everclear or the Smash Mouth? <laughs> I would say the Smash Mouth because Everclear is a better band. Um, they quit great well band. Head, as far as I know. <laughs> um, do you remember Eli Roth and Cabin Fever when he shows up in that Dr. movie? Doctor Bongo. Oh my God! That <laughs> he's got the sideburns. He's got the the soul patch there. <sighs> that. Uh, yeah. Oh my God! I mean that. I that I gotta give it to him. <laughs> yeah, he's a professor of being a dog. <laughs> Doctor like, Bongo. Oh, yeah, man. no, the the soul patch is, yeah, it's 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 not good. Pretty gross. Yeah. I hate it. Uh, I asked my girlfriend, I'm like, what would you rather do? Uh, what would you rather have, the soul patch or the pencil thin mustache on top of the lip? And uh, she goes, she said the soul patch. I'm like, really? You're going soul patch over pencil thin. I'm like, wow. Wow. Cause I, yeah, because, I mean, John Waters has had that pencil thin up above the lip for years. And, like, it, I mean, it looks okay, I suppose. <laughs> um, Oof. I don't I don't know. That's a tough call. But um, Anyway, the, Billy Burke has a, I think it's a Colt single action army. It's a pretty awesome revolver. Uh, he shoots his buddy, the redneck. And then uh, very promptly shoots Nick Cage in the eyeball, which, mm-hmm. as I had mentioned on uh, last week's episode on Season of the Witch, is apparently uh, half of the reason Nick Cage agreed to do this movie. Yep, he just I read wanted that. to do a movie where he got his eye taken out. Uh, <laughs> so he got his wish. Yeah. <laughs> so he drops like a fucking sack of potatoes. Uh, Jonah King and all of his cultist buddies they rally together they gather up amber heard take her off into an rv uh the police have themselves an rv an rv (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and uh it's at this point that uh he he actually tells nick cage who is lying on the on the ground at this point presumably dead of course we know he's not um he tells him that this cane that i walk around with uh is is made of your daughter's femur (laughs) that's pretty fucking twisted fucking dark dude yeah, uh, but then very shortly thereafter, Nick Cage wakes up and goes Terminator on everybody that's still in the church. Uh, yeah, he starts shooting people. He does a cool like John Woo esque like under the armpit shot with a pistol. This was I like this gunfight. This was I uh, like I like his uh, demeanor during all mm-hmm. the action scenes where it's like he's never he never looks like he's trying too hard to do anything. No, um, and it it does take does take some acting ability to pull that off to be but, handling guns and, and looking very comfortable while you're doing it well here, here's one of the problems i have with the movie was that we're, we're i don't remember being explained why he's so good at this like why he has these powers and then two we'll find out that why billy burke has his powers the whole time i don't think billy burke has powers um, he does at the end when he's dispatched from this earth he's has like a full-on like shang sung like i suck, don't suck i don't think he has him. powers i think he thinks he has powers mm. uh, being as he's a cult leader but nick cage <laughs> i mean our opening narration kyle told us that he was a badass motherfucker yeah but that and but that badass motherfucker kyle that doesn't <laughs> do anything <laughs> it means you. Ha- it means you have Steven Seagal powers, where you're great at everything, and can kill many, many people without being harmed. And you can uh, teach people how 
hand wave away racism by slapping people on the hands. <laughs> oh my goodness. What now? So that guy that you're talking about, uh, he's from, um, he's the guy that you thought shot uh, Uncle Ben? Yeah. His name is Michael Papa John. Papa John? That's that's so weird because that's what Adam Sandler says in um, the Longest Yard. That giant, uh, the giant Mexican professional wrestler is in that movie, and oh. he's like, "If you play, you'll get to you'll get to uh, take out Papa John." But that's actually his last name. That's so oh. weird. Well, that, I mean, it's like Tony Danza. You got to make sure to call him Tony, otherwise he won't answer to it. Uh, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you named him Charles, he's, you know. People are going to keep saying their lines at Charles, and he's just going to be looking around confused. Don't call me Charles. My name's Tony. <laughs> that would be what he would do his first day on the set, like while the cameras are rolling. It's like, well, fuck. Now we're tied to that. Hey, you know, I was looking over the script for this uh, this new I show. I see a we're lot of doing. Charles, not a whole lot, not of, lot of Tony. Not a lot of Tony. <laughs> not a lot could, of Tony in here. I'll take, you know what? I'll take an Anthony. I'll take an Anthony, but I'm not. I'm not going to be Charles. You know. <laughs> Oh, yeah, uh, Nick Cage is shooting some henchmen. Uh, this is where the uh, the man with the spectacular wig hat, uh, dude, the picture. Even you my need girl- to see this, man. It's amazing. <laughs> my girlfriend was like, "Is he wearing a wig?" I'm like, obviously, he's wearing a wig. <laughs> of course, like, of he's course, wearing he's wearing a wig. a wig. She she sat down like I'd already started the movie. She came in and she was eating something. She's like, "This is awful." I'm like, oh yeah, it's pretty bad. Um. But yeah, the wig. <laughs> like, it's yeah. terrible. But, but we were trying. We were. It's fascinatingly bad. But we're like, does it serve a purpose? Yeah, like, what- I thought is like, is he gonna get scalped later or something? Like, is it? Yeah, is it meant to be there. So when it when we get to like special effects or something, it won't be jarring. But no, did it's you, just there. <laughs> did, did you ever see uh, that Van Wilder movie a long time ago? No, I didn't. It's not very good. It's not very funny. It's kind of stupid. Um, but Eric Estrada from Chips is in yeah. there in the very beginning, and he's one of the. Uh, he's having an interview with Van, and uh, they're like, "We don't think you're right for the uh, for the part." And he just uh, he says something. He's like, "Hey, is there going to be any international travel?" And he adjusts his wig. <laughs> it's the funniest fucking thing. But he has like that big hair like that. But he just kind of fixes his wig. It, it's probably the only funny part of the whole movie is just that fixing the wig, but I mean, it's that big. It's just... I mean, little, little details like that. Like, I was talking to my friend the other day that's like, I've watched a lot of bad shit, but there's a lot of really bad shit that just has moments that stick with you, and that yeah. might as well be one of those. But uh, if you need a reference point for what this wig hat looks like, uh, Joe Dirt without yeah. the mullet part, basically. It's worse than Joe Dirt. Joe it's Dirt, much, like, much worse than Joe Dirt but uh, very similar in the way it rests on his head. <laughs> um, and then I also noticed that there's a very rugged woman in the scene that I was like, either she is a like a old horror actress of some sort, like a, squeen- a scream queen of some sort, or she's a stunt woman. Because that is a look you don't see too often in Hollywood movies. Um, I'm not positive, but... She does some car stunts later on, so maybe she does have a stunt background. I don't know if you looked it up at all, but there are quite a few stunt stunt people playing. I, uh, I kind of gathered. Yeah. Um, this reeks of the kind of movie that was probably put together 
like as like favors to a lot of those people or something where it's just like hey we're all buddies let's all get together on the set almost all of the cult are stuntmen um <laughs> we have clive clive owen Clive Owen? <laughs> Clive Owen? What? Clive Owen stuntman. Um, it looks like um, a stuntman for Black Panther. We got all kinds of stuntmans. Iron Man, Fast and Furious, Lone Survivor stuntman. So yeah, these are mostly just stuntmen. Yeah, no, stunt people in Hollywood are very prolific, and they serve a very, very important purpose. Um, in fact, there's a there's a Chris Hemsworth movie coming out within the next year or so that I, I want to see because it's a first directing effort of like the stunt coordinator of the of the Marvel movies like mm-hmm. of primarily the Avengers films I think he's like Chris Evans is a stunt stunt double but he's directing it and a few of the, the Marvel actors are in it like headlining it and I was like that hmm. sounds like a cool project like, like the guy who puts them through their paces doing like action scenes and stuff is directing the whole film cool i forget what it's called but again it stars thor <laughs> um anyway uh nick cage exits the church uh wig hat is still alive by the way put a pin in that because william fickner's exchange with him is priceless it's maybe my favorite laugh like maybe the biggest laugh i had in the whole movie um oh yeah that's funny but then uh, Nick Cage leaves the church, uh, he hops in the charger, and he gives chase. And for a movie called Drive Angry, the car stuff was actually maybe the least engaging part of it for me. It's not a car chase, Trevor. It's not a car chase. It's cars it's driving. Not, it's cars driving. Thank uh, you. Thank, I thank you. I was going crazy. No, thank, thank you for phrasing it that way, because that's how I felt watching it. It's like, yeah, this isn't a chase, this is just shots of cars moving. <laughs> like, there's, there's literally one scene in here where I have written down, car commercial. Like, that's the, the angle we take. It's just We're just watching a car drive. It's just cars driving. <laughs> they, yeah. they, I mean, in, our, in their defense, the movie is called Drive Angry. Yeah. I, I don't think that was a very good title, because, it, like I said, I think the driving aspect of this film is maybe one of the weaker parts of it. But that if, could just be me, because I'm not a car guy. Well, no, it's not like there's movies that beat off to cars like explicitly like this is a movie about how awesome cars are. Gone in 60 seconds, Fast and the Furious. We're talking about how bitching these cars are. This is like we kind of like Dodge and Chevy. That's pretty much it. And like, oh, that's a Chevelle. Oh, man, that's your Dodge Charger. It just I feel like the director just had a my least favorite part of the whole movie, I think, is when um, spoiler alert, David Morse is in here. When yeah. he lifts, when he pulls the tarps off there, oh god, I, ugh. I don't yeah. like cars. I don't like cars. So like when the movie is centered around cars, it does little to almost nothing. For, it does nothing for me. Actually, yeah, sorry. I mean, in wrestling parlance, I I don't pop for cars. Like nope. it just doesn't do it for me. Uh, so yeah, Could I had a similar less. reaction where I was like, this is. This whole movie has been cheesy, but now we're getting really cheesy. Where it's like, oh, we but, have his and hers muscle cars now? <laughs> but that's the thing. Like, the movie isn't even a, really about cars, and then you're throwing in the muscle cars. There's a way to do movies about awesome cars. Gone in 60 se- I think Gone in 60 Seconds is probably the best example. Because they're that's just beaten. Good. That's pretty good. And the Fast and Furious movies, uh, from an aesthetic standpoint, they do a very good job of making that shit look really good. Mm-hmm. Like even if you don't understand why it's cool, like just the way it's presented to you, it's like combination of lighting and and you know 
engine sounds and stuff like that. And, you know, lots of scantily clad ladies and stuff surrounding all the vehicles. It's like, okay, that does look pretty cool. <laughs> uh, I don't I don't know anything about physics, but I'm going to go ahead and put it on the record. I think in Fast and the Furious 1, when Paul Walker and Vin Diesel race at the end, Paul Walker should have won because um, the, you know the trailer shot of Vin Diesel's car popping yeah. a willy before it goes. I'm like, nope. You should have lost because his car would have already been gone. So yeah, but like when you're doing all that, he's moving forward. Also, yeah. Vin Diesel's too fat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's weighing down the car. <laughs> that would have been a funny way for him to lose. Like, I can't believe you beat me. I'm like, you need to lose about thirty pounds of muscle, you fucking freak. Your car is going. You are losing gas mileage. Put the protein shake down. <laughs> that would have been great if he had like. One of those shaker bottles in the car wall. <laughs> <laughs> like, you can hear the, the little like the shaker thing like bouncing around inside. <laughs> oh man, I live my life one muscle milk at a time. <laughs> <laughs> that should be a commercial. Fuck. For those twenty seconds post workout, I'm free. He needs a he needs a Camelback full of muscle. <laughs> <laughs> just like sipping on it just the whole movie he's just got like a straw and a muscle milk yeah yeah no he needs to be like in a, a tuxedo at like a fancy dining hall or something with a camelback muscle you can have any brew you want as long as it's a muscle milk <laughs> Vin diesel jokes aside um yeah. yeah this this sequence wherein cars are driving around is a little boring uh, there's yeah. a lot of car cross cutting between nick cage driving around there's a couple of cars chasing him and then uh, amber heard getting into some fisticuffs with some people in the rv uh she fights suit lady uh who gets tossed out the rear windshield and gets run over by a car it's pretty I like hilarious that. actually that was pretty good i, yeah. I really like that <laughs> um it, it it was really dumb in the best kind of way um i like also when the way nick cage takes takes care of the other two cars that are pursuing him the first one he Pulls ahead of it, gets out, and just unloads a handgun into the windshield, and then the driver mm-hmm. gets killed, and then they I fall like into, one. like, a, a ditch in a factory. And then uh, the second one, it's basically, like, skeet shooting. <laughs> um, he goes underneath, like, this little like, yeah. ramp, and then the car chasing him goes over the ramp, and it flies over him, and he shoots the underside of it with a shotgun, and it causes it to explode, because, of course, it does. Yeah, it goes up like a nuclear bomb. I'm like, Wow. Just from a shotgun from underneath. Yeah. Okay, yeah, sure. Have Have you seen the transporter movies, Kyle? I've seen the first one. That you're good. You're good. <laughs> um, the second one is why I haven't seen the other two. Gotcha. There, there are in fact four of these movies, by the way. There should no, yeah, you don't um, need four. The second one, it was just too dumb for me. Although it had, it does have one of the best lines I've ever heard, and mm. me and my friends still quote this back and forth. Uh, Jason Statham confronts the bad guy he steps onto his private jet and he has a gun up to him and he says it would appear as if your flight has been cancelled and then the guy whips around like a, like a James Bond villain in a rotating chair and says no it would appear as if you have been cancelled <laughs> and then they bad. fight it's that's pretty, pretty bad. bad that's pretty but bad there's a gag wherein uh, Jason Statham in the second one uh, has a bomb on the underside of his car and the way he gets rid of it is he drives real fast he goes off a ramp, and then there's a crane with a hook, and he flips his car in midair. So the crane nice. snatches the bomb from under his car, 
then he continues to flip the car he sticks the landing and then the bomb goes off on the crane is maybe the dumbest fucking thing I've ever seen <laughs> if if you're in the mood for a funny movie and I, don't, I know you're not a huge comedy person but um, uh, Spy with uh, Melissa McCarthy I've heard that's very fun it's very fun but Jason Statham is fucking hilarious in there that makes like, me happy he steals it for me. Like he was—he's so, so funny. So goddamn in charming. He's <laughs> so funny in there. Oh, he's an idiot in that movie. It's—it's it's very. That, good. I mean, I'm sure he does that very well because he does actually have a decent, like, self-deprecating, like, sense of humor. If you he's let funny. him, like, yeah. It's—it's it's very rare because he's too handsome and charming. So it's like, yeah. no, no, you—you're cool. Just be yeah. cool. Yeah. Like, I—I I do other things. Goddamn. <laughs> I enjoyed the movie. It was pretty funny. I like. No, it. I might actually watch that at some point because I have heard it's a lot of fun. Uh, so yeah, so um, Amber Heard, it, pretty much this whole sequence, she's just trying to escape, and it's taking yeah. a really long time. But uh, uh, Nick Cage gets a few shots into the uh, the windshield from somebody, so he decides to kick it out. Which he's got sunglasses on. It makes sense. It'll be fine. Um, but Amber Heard doesn't know that the windshield is. Out, but she, yet she still decides to jump out the back of the Winnebago and onto Nick Cage's car. And they manage to uh, get away, but not before um, Billy Burke shoots some holes into the hood and basically makes the car break down. And what, how does he get, what's his getting away move? Is it just like a... Uh, <laughs> he doesn't like, do the caster Troy, if that's what you're... If that's what you're picturing. He does something. <laughs> I can't remember what it is. But yeah, so they, they break down on the side of the road. And they have, I think, a little bit of a heated exchange here. I don't know what. Um, but he says, we have to get the car off the road. And I'm like, why? Why do they need to get the car off the road? And he said, they'll be looking for, like, you've killed two co- Like, you've killed, like, three people. And I'm wanted, so we got to get this car off. And then we cut to... An actual shot of them pushing the car, and I swear to God, I that um, the Crash Test Dummy song from Dumb and Dumber. (laughs) I'm like, they're pushing the car the distance that they drove in that movie. Oh, yeah, they they're pushing the car, and a tow truck comes up for long. All right, I will stop you just for a second. Uh huh because I want to make sure that we talk about William Fickner talking to the man with the wig. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So William Fickner is on their tail, and he shows up at the church. And he has, like, a LaCroix or something. And he, he, he comes into the church all jolly talking about how it's like, oh, it's pretty, it's pretty, it's a scorcher out there. Yeah. And this poor guy with the wig has had both of his kneecaps blown the fuck out. Yeah. And he's just, like in agony dying alone in a church and then uh william fickner points out that like the cult that this guy thinks he belongs to like so he has a pentagram tattoo by the way which all the cultists in this oh yeah have. all the cultists have that stupid and tattoo yeah. and william fickner very like mockingly like points out that's like oh you know i don't, I don't think satan's ever heard of that one <laughs> like, <laughs> so it's like he's he he knows the devil and yeah. he knows that these guys are full of shit and Idiots, don't know what yeah. they're doing. Um, but the line that made me laugh very hard was uh, when he approaches the man with the wig hat, who, again, laying on the ground with both of his kneecaps pulling up, William Fickner looks down and says, Whoa, those are fucked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, 
<laughs> it is a pretty good line. I was like, ah, oh, man, that's fucking great. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is uh, we cut back to Cage and Amber, and uh, this is where David Morse shows up, uh, who yeah. was in The Rock with Nick Cage. Correct. Although yes. I don't believe they ever shared the screen in that film. If they did, it, it, it might have like been for, like split. It was like for a minute. I don't think they do. I, I think you're, I think you're right. I don't think they do. Because remember, a uh, uh, Candyman and uh, yeah, gu- there's a guy mutiny. from Friends or whatever. <laughs> he, the the other bad guy. He, yeah, he was on like one of those sitcoms. I think it was Friends or Frasier or something. Um, Candyman and him have their Mexican standoff with David Morse and Ed Harris, and uh, I think that's before Nick Cage and Sean Connery get there. I think you're right. Um. So yeah, this I kind of like this um, this these couple of shots right here. Uh, they know each other; they're old pals of some kind. And uh, um, Piper has she's like kind of cuddled up next to Nick Cage, but she's got her hand on the gun that's in his belt, which is kind of cool. And uh, we cut behind David Morse, who has his gun right behind the door. So. Almost like a little bit of a Mexican standoff about to happen, but I thought it was it was nice. It was nice. nice. No, it's, it's a nice little touch, and it, it. I mean, I don't think you could have gotten away with them not being cautious like that because really, they they're pushing a car off the road, and a random truck, like a random tow truck, just shows up. Yeah, <laughs> and the guy gets out of the car. This is a little suspicious. Um, by the way, Nick Cage, uh, at this point, is wearing a bandana over his eye that Amber heard tied over. Um, and then in the next scene, he takes it off, and it's revealed that hey, his eye has grown back. Yeah. And they do a cute thing where uh, he's wearing a, a colored contact in there that's like a, a slightly lighter shade to show that it's like new, newly grown tissue or something. It's just a neat little detail that I like. Uh, David Morse offers him a beer, I think. And this was, uh, this was actually very good acting on Cage's part. He's like, oh, I don't, I don't want a beer until I can drink it out of uh, Jonah's skull. And when he, when he said that, I'm like, I have a feeling that's gonna happen, because uh, that's too, that's too specific of a reference for yeah. that to not happen. Yeah, I, I did the same thing. Where I was like, hmm, that's curious. But Interesting. Yeah, David Morse comes up behind him, and Nick Cage is just like standing in front of a fire barrel in yeah. the daytime. He's just staring at a fire. <laughs> Well, and, uh, David is... Morse makes a crack about like, does it remind you of home or something? AKA hell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh Nick Cage uh nearly nearly gets a tear out. It's pretty again, he's he's trying. Like he's actually putting on a fucking performance and he he makes mention that like, you know, the fire in hell ain't so bad. It's the the video he, he actually calls it a video feed of a uh, all the bad things happening to all the people you care about on Earth. Mm. And he says you can never turn it off. And you can see on his face that's like all the bad shit with the cult and stuff that happened to his daughter. Uh, yeah, it didn't sit very well with him. But yeah, he he says, I'll, I'll wait for the that's beer. <laughs> yeah, uh, David Morris is doing uh, pretty much Basil Exposition. Uh, that's pretty much what he's there for. As soon as he goes, like, it's like, what is it? blade basically i felt like a blade moment where it's, like, What's it's wrong very similar to blade he even has a leg brace yeah uh like he's Chris got a leg yeah 
Like, Bracey's just, like, in the distance talking. There's, du- I think there's double exposition there. Yeah. Because she gets the exposition from Chris Christopherson, and then she gets the exposition from Blake. Like, Cancer. But, uh, yeah, we find out that uh, cult leader took... We, we find out the story, basically. Yeah. Um, Nick Cage estranged himself from his family somehow to protect them and ended up getting shot for it. Um, so now they have to go find him. Now they have to go look for him. But not before we get a slide guitar introduction to uh, Chevelle. Yeah, this was yeah. the... The sequence that Kyle had mentioned that, yeah, made me roll my eyes, too. Oh, uh, gosh. David Morse just happens to have two fully restored, like, muscle cars in his garage that he's willing to be part, willing to part with, you know, for no fee or anything. <laughs> I'm going to quote my friend, uh, Eric, uh, get fucked, okay? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Fickner, I have, uh, let's see here. Oh, this is the roadblock. So oh, they're roadblock. they're in route, and uh, they're being chased by uh, cops, if I'm not mistaken. But little do they know that they're going to would you say an ambush or just a, they're going to go into a roadblock, basically. It's an ambush. <laughs> um, and so Tom uh, Atkins is there, yeah. and and he's talking about how. Uh, so, by the way, these people that were. Uh, gonna have roll up on us in a minute here uh they killed some of our own meaning some of our fellow cops and uh i'm gonna tell you to shoot out their tires and just so we're all clear when i say shoot out their tires i mean shoot them in the head are we all clear on that and everybody's like yeah we're pretty clear <laughs> so he's like, right. okay then shoot them in shoot the out tires, their tires. <laughs> it's pretty fucking great uh enter william fickner in a very uh terminator-esque hydrogen truck um, and we get a diegetic that's the way I like it uh-huh, uh-huh. Ugh, yeah <laughs> I, I hate the soundtrack I hate the choice of music in this movie it's so bad I liked his reaction to it because he looked like he was having a grand old time um, yeah so William Fignor was like looking at Katie Mixon's boobs earlier and uh, he's singing in the car. I don't think he gets to enjoy himself in hell, so I think he's kind of enjoying his vacation a bit. Like he's, I can see that. He's, he's having fun. That's why he's taking. Maybe that's why he's taking longer to do this because it like he's got to he's got to enjoy himself while he's up on Earth. I mean, by the time we get to the end, we can tell that they have some sort of arrangement. So yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. But yeah, his his entrance in the scene is pretty amazing because he comes up behind the roadblock in a hydrogen truck. And uh, he smashes it through a bunch of the cars, and then he very casually turns it sideways, and it starts sliding. And he steps out the door onto the roof of a nearby cop car and lets the truck continue rolling. (laughs) And uh, all the while, that's the way I like it, is playing. It's, it's, It's a cute little scene. The special effects aren't very good, but the energy is up, and I enjoyed it. Especially uh, Tom Atkins' reaction to all that. Because he's just like... I like when Fickner pulls out the FBI badge trick again. And Atkins has an assault rifle pointed at him. And he's like, no! Fucking no! God damn no! <laughs> like, yeah. there is no fucking way you're an FBI agent. This is silly. He's but right. He's still, but, yeah, and he is right, but he goes with it. Uh, so... At this point, now we're kind of confused because William Fickner has apparently aided 
Nick Cage in getting to the cultists. Yeah. Uh, this is where I'm like, okay, this is just stupid now. Uh, uh, yeah. Fickner is um, he's having a scene here, and he calls out one of the uh, cops. Apparently one of the cops is a Jonah head. Uh, he's got the, uh, the pentagram on his chest. Uh, Not visible to the naked eye, by the way. He no. had to open his shirt. <laughs> yeah. He had to rip his shirt open to figure this out. But yeah, what he, does he what does he tell Tom Atkins? Uh, he basically tells Tom Atkins like get off their case. <laughs> um, and the reason why he points out the cultist in the crowd is that he wants the cultist to tell uh, Jonah King that Nick Cage is dead. Mm. So now now he's like completely freeing Nick Cage to do whatever the fuck he wants. So now we're a little confused. Yeah. Um. And at this point, we cut back to Nick Cage and Amber Heard, and they've arrived at Stillwater, uh, which is overgrown and apparently occupied by the cultists. Yeah. And uh, uh. the way I phrased it, they are having a hootenanny. <laughs> <laughs> there's way... Okay, so the thing about this cult, and I assume with most cults, is there's a sexual edge to it. Yeah. Um, this is the ugliest group of people I've ever seen, and... Only, like, one naked lady. Like, I was expecting everybody to be naked, but no, there's... It's just a bunch of truckers and then one naked lady, and they're... Honestly, they look like they're in that middle part of NASCAR. Like, you know where you can have your RV? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have your RV in the middle. That's what it looks like. <laughs> it's just those people in the middle with a, a fire. Um, and they're doing all the... Ooh, yeah, they have dancing. a they have a Conan tree. Not yeah, sure. they do. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, they have a Conan tree. If you don't know what that is, uh, look up Conan the Barbarian and maybe and watch in the word tree. Just, Just watch. Watch it. the fucking movie. <laughs> Just watch the movie. Um, um, so yeah, the the point of them. So they've got the baby, and um, they're basically sacrificing the baby is going to bring hell on earth. But first, um, Amber Heard gets, or Piper gets taken by William Fickner. And Nick Cage, you know, follows to find out what's happening. Yeah. And we, you, and we you, have you, an exchange you, of dialogue here where uh, William Fickner is basically saying that, like, you know, I, I don't really want to stop you. I'm, I am going to take you back, but I'm not really out here to stop you from doing what it is you want to do, meaning kill the cult and save the baby. Uh, I think, like, a little bit later, he actually mentions that, like, sacrifices actually don't do anything for the devil. It actually, like, maybe upsets him a little bit because it hurts his image. <laughs> <laughs> so William Fickner has a very low opinion of these cultists. Yeah. Um, but he does have Amber Heard hostage, and uh, Fickner does ask that Nick Cage give him the god killer because he's like, eh, it'd be nice if you didn't try to kill me with you know the one thing that actually can kill me uh and cage does in fact comply and he gives it to him and they exchange thank yous i think well i can see why the devil would wouldn't like devil worshipers it makes a lot of it makes a lot of sense because you're so dumb because what you know of the devil is from the bible and you know that the devil was cast out of heaven and he's in hell so if you're all boned up for the devil, that means you're going to go to hell. 
So yeah. how do you, how is that good? Yeah, and the people that wrote that book probably don't know much about the other side of things. So yeah. yeah. So yeah, that, you know, I, I think it's kind of cute that William Fickner has such a low opinion of them, where he's like, "Ah, oh, God, you guys are all a bunch of shitheads." <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, like they're like, dumb. I know, like, I get it. You're well, you're well intentioned, but you're doing it wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then uh, we get the climactic action scene. Wherein, uh, we get a pretty amazing trailer shot. I don't know if it was actually in the trailer for this film. I can't remember. But it feels like something that could be slotted into like almost any action movie. And it would feel pretty cool to have it in there. So basically, Stillwater, like the, the, it's like a courtyard is where this cult is having their, their gathering. And it's surrounded by concrete walls. Essentially, Nick Cage drives his Chevelle through the wall, and his car gets set on fire partway through, and then it slams down onto the ground, and it, it runs over one dude outright, yeah. and then it decapitates another dude beside him, and it's it's a flaming muscle car running over some people. It's pretty fucking cool. It reminded me of uh, the, the original trailer for uh, Machete. Where uh, mm. Danny Trejo has the motorcycle with the minigun on it. Because, I mean, that movie started out as a fake trailer. And it's just this amazing shot of Danny Trejo with a fiery explosion behind him on, a on like, a Harley with a minigun mounted on it. And he's airborne, and it's Danny Trejo <laughs> on, a, on a motorcycle. It's pretty fucking cool. But, yeah, uh, in the ensuing chaos, Cage basically never exits the vehicle. He's just driving around in circles, occasionally stopping to shoot people. And it's a fun little action scene. It's pretty well choreographed. Uh, the one sore spot in it, though, is a really, really, really bad green screen uh, when Amber Heard is with uh, William Fickner in the Watchtower. Uh, she manages to snatch the God Killer from him and break mm-hmm. off from him. But in that Watchtower, like it's like a jet black background. It's supposed to be a night sky, but like everybody has this like halo of light around them where it's like. <sighs> Ooh, that's just not good compositing. <laughs> like, yeah. That's just cheap and ugly. Um, but yeah, I, I had mentioned that Billy Burke has some good physical acting towards the end of this movie. Um, he does some fun gestures here while Nick Cage is trying to kill him. Where at one at one point he's kicking over uh, some coolers that they have at the compound. Yeah. Like he gives this he gives an eye roll because the first one he opens is just beer. Yeah, <laughs> I, that even more so. I'm like that beer's coming back. <laughs> yeah, and then the second cooler though he opens and there's an automatic fucking shotgun. In it. <laughs> there's C4. But, there's C4 yeah, yeah, in they that have one. Plastic explosives too. It's like Jesus. Yeah, they're well equipped. But yeah. Uh, have you seen the Nick Cage Wicker Man? By the way, no. Okay. Well, he he throws a punch towards the end of the sequence that is. I don't know if it's like the Nick Cage punch, but it's basically a shovel jab. Where it's like it comes up from the hip and it smacks you square between the eyes. Oh, okay. He he throws some Chuck Norris kicks and then he does his little shovel jab to Billy Burke, but then he gets shot in the back. But it's like some of the only... Thankfully, the last of the physical exchanges in this film. Because like we said, punches in this movie just just don't look right. (laughs) Not good. But, um... I think this is where uh, the man who I thought killed Uncle Ben gets shot with the God Killer. 
Um, so we see what happens when someone gets hit square, square like dead on with the God Killer. Uh, he go, he flies backwards because Amber Heard saves uh, Nick Cage from him, and he flies backwards into the RV, which then explodes. Uh, and then I think that brings us to the end game, where uh, it's Jonah and Nick Cage. Nick Cage is on the ground, and uh, Nick Cage gets the God Killer. And how would you describe the visuals of when? when Billy Burke gets shot with the God Killer. It's like a, a portal opens up. That's why I'm saying he's like, oh, I'm not so easy to kill. Like, no mortal weapons can kill me. So I'm like, okay, he's some kind of demon thing. So when he gets shot, it... I don't know how to describe it. It's like a... Uh, like it's a. Hard. It's... I don't want to say it's bad, but it's... Well, it it's, is, but that's it, part of what makes it kind of interesting to look at. Yeah, it, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's I, I don't know how to describe it honestly. Um, so he he gets shot square in the chest. Nick Cage slides across the ground because, as William Fickner points it out, it has quite a kick. Um, and Billy Burke flies up in the air. The bullet passes through him. There's some like magical energy stuff, and then yeah, like this vortex opens up in the sky behind him. And I thought for a second, I was like, oh, God, did, did did he just, like, open the portal to hell by killing him or something? Yeah, that's yeah, that's kind of what I was wondering, too. But then he gets, like, electrocuted. We get, like, a Looney Tunes, like, x-ray effect. And then his head explodes, and the rest of him evaporates. And then the top half of his skull falls on the ground and does a little twirl. And... The, there's a lot of colors, a lot of noise. It's very strange looking, but very difficult to describe. Um, so I'm I'm actually going through it right now. Oh, uh, <laughs> I pulled it up. <laughs> You're rewatching it. So I I just pulled up the clip. So here we go. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk us through it. So he's about to shoot him. He shoots Billy, and then we get some ring. We get like these weird rings that look like like the inscription of Lord of the Rings. Yeah, it looks like, like it look- runes or something. Like, so like now we have. Or something. I don't know if you can see this, but what he made like a crucifix. Yeah, he's flying up into the sky. Uh, a golden crucifix. And he's going towards a hole, and now he's turning into uh, like Shang Tsung at the end of uh, Mortal Kombat. Yeah, he's like kind of he's kind of semi-transparent against what looks like the Paramount TriStar uh, yeah, the, clouds. The... Or, or the Columbia lady, Columbia Pictures lady. Or yeah, something. he's turning into. Oh, and then he blows up. Uh, th- it's three D, so he blows up, and then his jawbone uh, shoots at you, and and then it's just uh, a vortex sucking up um, CGI stuff into a whole really bad CGI. Yeah, it's weird, and then um, the top half of his skull falls on the ground. Yeah. And uh, at this point, Nick Cage, who has been shot in the back with a shotgun, uh, is laying against a rock, and Amber Heard starts crying over him, and he gives her the baby. Yeah. By the way, we, we failed to mention that there's like a lady cultist who's been cradling this baby throughout the entire fucking movie. Yeah. And we keep cutting back to her, and it it's pretty clear that she's not terribly into the idea of killing the baby. <laughs> she's not feeling it. Yeah, she's not feeling it. But she's still there. Yeah. Um, yeah, they retrieve the baby. Nick Cage hands it over to Amber Heard and says, like, love, love her because because I, I can't. And yeah. uh, Amber Heard agrees to it. 
she doesn't sound she doesn't seem like a very stable person to me she seems very prone to violence if you ask me yeah uh, i don't know if she should be taking care of babies and stuff just yet she's got poor choice horrible choice in character whatever dude ends up raising the kid with her is not going to be a good guy well i mean maybe she shacked up with david morse <laughs> that seems like a reliable dude that's the best bet probably yeah. He looks. He might have. A, he might have a little bit of a beer drinking problem, but that's. I mean, that's fine. Yeah, he's, he, he's he fine. looks like that. He looks like one of those guys who doesn't come home often. Like he's like he goes out to the garage and then yeah. it'll be like three days or something. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. So Nick Cage sends her off to to raise the baby. <laughs> Go uh, raise and, this baby. Yeah, and, <laughs> and uh, she run, She rides off into the sunset with David Morse, who shows up in the other Cheville. Um, yeah, we cut back to William Fickner and Nicolas Cage having a very casual chat beside the Conan tree. At which point we see Nicolas Cage with Jonah, the top half of Jonah King's skull in his hand, pouring a beer into it. Yeah, uh, like Kyle had said, uh, that line did seem like something we were going to call back to, and sure enough, he drinks a beer from Jonah King's skull. It's pretty. Yeah. It's cute. It's pretty fun. Um. And they have this interesting exchange where he and Fickner are very chummy with each other. And I can't remember the exact words of what was said, but you get the sense that, like like Kyle had mentioned, there's like some sort of arrangement here where it's like Fickner's, Fickner's not really terribly up on the idea of bringing him back right away. Because we've seen how resourceful he is. It's like he could probably do it anytime he wants. But yeah, maybe it's maybe it's like a situation where Nick Cage breaks out of hell and gives him an excuse to fuck around on earth for a bit <laughs> mm. um, yeah we get that third instance of oh you th- you think you're Wotan <laughs> so he called him some Baron Samedi Anubis Wotan I-, I don't know what the fuck all that's supposed to mean but it seems like it came directly from Nick Cage and the closing shots of the film are uh, the two of them hopping in some sort of very old hot rod I think it's a Chevy or a Cadillac or something, and then uh, they. I think the, it was a Chevy. The yeah. literal highway to hell uh, appears in front of them. They drive back to hell, and uh, I think "Bad Out of Hell" the Meatloaf song starts playing. No, it's not, and it's not? that's what that's what was throwing me off because I'm like, I swear to God, like we were listening to it at the end, and I'm like, is this Meatloaf? And stuff's like, no, this isn't Meatloaf. I'm like, are you sure? Because it. It's, it sounds very meatloaf esque, and I mean it's not him singing for sure, but that's I thought it was a, a, a meatloaf cover. That's what yeah, I looked for, I and I and I looked for his name. I'm like I I'm not seeing it. Um, wow, you had me fooled. Shit, right? Um, let me double check here. Uh, let me let me see because they might have used his real name, Michael Leaddy. So mm-hmm. let me see if his name pops up in the soundtrack real quick. Yeah, I'm not see the titular Drive Angry song was written and performed by Weston Cage Coppola. Oh, uh, shit. Yeah. I I want to say that's the last song, is it not? Yeah. It's, I mean, unless there's one over the credits, but uh, the first half at least of the credits uh was just sound, was just score. Like there wasn't a song or anything. Uh that's the way I like it was written by Harry Wayne Casey. <laughs> <laughs> Fun fact. Yeah, fun fact. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think it was meatloaf, but it definitely felt like meatloaf. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, that's that's the end of Drive Angry. Um, I happen to enjoy this. I think 
more than Season of the Witch just because it had an energy to it. Season of the Witch was very flat for the most part. Yeah. And it has that Croatian aesthetic to it. <laughs> that just It's very gray, very bland for the most part. This one, at least, you got William Fickner delivering some genuinely funny lines. And uh, the lighting and the cinematography had some had some energy to it that kept me engaged it is very stupid <laughs> and very cheap looking but i was very surprised actually that nick cage gave so much to this performance because he really tried it whereas season of the witch it felt like he was kind of sleepwalking and maybe hamstrung by the script where it's like he's not supposed to be a ultra stoic knight character like that's not his wheelhouse like he's supposed to be kind of quirky and weird yeah, uh, I think you're fucking crazy. I think that Season of the Witch was better. Uh, I like the aesthetic better. I like the makeup effects. I think the makeup effects were a little bit better in Season of the Witch, but the the practical effects here were pretty good, too. Well, what we got, what they decided to do. Yeah. Um, I hated the music. It, <laughs> it really just, it it just took me out of the movie. Like, I couldn't, I couldn't get into it because of the music. It was driving me nuts. Um, the plot just was kind of... It just wasn't straightforward. Like it was kind of hard to really figure out. Even at the end, I'm like, okay, so now what happened? Yeah, I, I still don't really know what happened. Yeah, I mean, season of the witch. It was a really easy plot. Like we have to kill the witch because we have to kill the witch. Yeah, um, yeah it was just bad. I guess <laughs> if uh, I if I would have had, I've watched this stone cold sober. So maybe if I had had like a glass of wine or a beer or something, this would have been a little bit more, a little bit more enjoyable. But yeah. I mean, if you like to watch, like, kind of bad movies, it's 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 fun. I'll give you that much. It's 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 got some fun parts in it. Yeah, it, that's mostly all I was hoping for. It's just a few fun moments, and I yeah. got that. So I'm I'm happy with it. But yeah, that's the thing about Nick Cage's filmography is that like he has a lot of stuff I haven't explored, and I mean I didn't pick this one because I thought it was good. No, I, that's why I, I picked, picked Season this, of the Witch. Yeah, I picked this one because I thought maybe he'd bring something to it and maybe the premise, like, the goofy element to it would allow him some wiggle room to cage out. He really didn't in this movie, but he did bring some gravitas to a film that didn't deserve it in a lot of ways, which was unexpected. I but. think his best goofy movie is National Treasure. Like, that plot is just ridiculous. It's just a stupid concept, but it's it's a fun movie. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. But I think for all of catching up on Cage Month, I think Bad Lieutenant wins. Yeah, easily. Anyway. Easily. Yeah, Bad yeah. Lieutenant was definitely the front runner for all of these. Like, I think that's a legit good movie that if you Don't have know. any sort of appreciation for like very, very black humor <laughs> yeah. and and like off the wall character actors and stuff, like you definitely need to check that out. But on the whole, like. I, I feel catching up on Cage has been a successful experiment. Yeah. Um, in retrospect, it, it, I, I kind of wish I had picked something from earlier in his filmography because we don't we don't I really have early to. Cage. We didn't really touch early Cage this month. We, we tried to, and it, it just didn't. It was a Coen Brothers movie, so it was. Yeah, it didn't that, work that, out. I I don't think that was a bad idea to to take that off the table. I did find some more Nick Cage movies I want to watch. Uh, Bringing Out the Dead, which I really, really want to watch. Mm. Uh, I think it's at the top of my list. You really need to watch The Frozen Ground. Uh, okay. Um, yeah. It, 
I kind of do want to go back. I want to check out Vampire's Kiss. I want to see <laughs> Leaving Las Vegas. I want to see yeah. some of those older Nick Cage movies. Leaving Las Vegas was very high on my list because I think that was the one that got him the Oscar. I think it um, is, yeah. Um, but yeah, maybe we'll have to do Catching Up on Cage 2 at some point. Well, I, harder. <laughs> def, I definitely want to get some uh, a, a Seagull month here before long. Uh, I think that'd be a lot of fun. Um, so next month, should we should we say what we're going to be doing for the month of March? Yeah, have at it. Go for it. Kind of a big month. So we were we were throwing around ideas like, what are we going to do for March? Like, what, what kind of theme are we going to go with? Because we can keep we have enough movies in the back burner to like just have each other watch. We're like, well, what's happening in March? St. Patrick's Day. It's pretty much the only thing. March is just kind of that idle month where not really winter anymore. It's not spring. It just sucks. So um, we're gonna be. Uh, doing an evening with uh, with Troy Duffy, and we're going to be catching up on uh, a couple of Irish films. Um, I believe you chose uh, uh, the Big Man. The Big Man, uh, which would be not next technically week. an Irish film, but it has a lot of Irish actors in it. So you know, I- I'm counting it. Fuck you. <laughs> and then uh, I chose uh, the Hallow, which is uh, an Irish. Did are we doing the Hallow? Is that what yeah. it was? Yeah, that's okay, the one yeah. you picked. Um, it's it's a, an Irish film with mostly an Irish cast or UK cast. Um, sci-fi-ish horror thriller kind of movie. I had fun watching it. Um, and then, like I said, an evening with Troy Duffy. We're going to be uh, covering all things Troy Duffy. The, uh, the entire filmography of Troy Duffy. Yes, the Boondock Saints... Um, Overnight, which is the documentary about how big of a piece of shit Troy Duffy is, and then one of my, probably one of the worst, it's probably one of the most enjoyable bad movies, it's just all around bad, uh, Boondock Saints 2. It's pretty horrible. Yeah, Kyle has been trying to get me to watch Boondock Saints 2 for a very long time, so this will be my first time watching it, um, and this will be my first time heading back into Troy Duffy's neighborhood and many years uh i'm very excited to uh to check out overnight in particular but we'll see it's, how boondock saints 2 goes fuck <laughs> <laughs> overnight's better than both of those movies yeah but I, I i think it's important that we tackle them in chronological order i agree so we get boondock saints and then we get the documentary about the man who made boondock saints and what happened to him after he made that and then we get boondock saints 2 to show us where he ended up after that Honestly, after you watch Overnight, I, I, I seriously think you should watch Overnight first and then go back and watch the first Boondock Saints because after watching Overnight, it's kind of amazing how he, there's a coherent movie like, out of How it. did he do that? I don't know how he did it. It's amazing. <laughs> if you, you're just going to watching the Boondock Saints, you're like, that was okay. If you watch the documentary, I'm like, this guy's... I don't know how he did it. It's brilliant. Like, how did that piece of shit make this? <laughs> Maybe that's what he didn't realize. He's like, I'm the best ever. I'm like, no, dude, you're just awesome for a bartender. Like, you, they were just shocked you were able to pull that off. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But anyway, that's that's all for Nick Cage this month. Yeah. Thank you for joining us as we caught up on Cage. Uh, perhaps we'll do it again next time. Um, on that note, uh, take care, and we'll catch you next time. That's high praise.